Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Patrick, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, it's been a long time. I know we've uh, we've been keeping in touch, and uh, finally we get to do this. This is I'm, I'm very happy. I'm excited. I saw Twitter went nuts. Got over a hundred questions, so we'll we'll try to get some of that at the end. But first of all, how are you? Where are you? What's going on with you these days? Uh, you know, give me the give me the rundown. Yeah, I'm always good. Always good. I'm I'm currently in Dubai. I was really lucky to leave South France, Monaco, and and fly over here to check this place out. Uh, it's my first time here, and I have only good things to say about Dubai so far. And uh, who knows? I see big potential. There's been actually some some rumors that this might be the new new uh, gambling heaven one day. You know, so explain a bit about that because Dubai is sort of a, a, a mystical place. I've actually, I've been through the airport connecting. I didn't get to go, uh, didn't get to, you know, actually spend time there. Tell me, how is it different? What is it? You, I said, that's actually interesting. You've never been there. I would have thought you would have been there, but it's not known as a gambling haven. There's even some strange kind of gambling laws. So tell me a bit about what that is. How does it work there? What's going on? And why do you think it could become this, uh, this haven one day? Yeah, so basically the same thing for me. I've been on the airport so many times, uh, but just I don't know too much. Uh, but like a lot of people know, it's one of the places that is open now. Like whole whole world is locked down this and locked down that over there, and uh, here everything is is open. It's just uh, that Ramadan started, and it's it's affecting the place a little bit. What comes to just uh, you know, it's not so active active right now, but. Just all I know is that there's been rumors that um, that um, they might open casinos and and games at some point, and and I think there's been a lot of big private games here for a long time already. And but the place is really, um, I would say, there's I'm really uh, positively surprised. It's I can only say good things. It's 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 there's seven million people here. It's extremely safe, extremely clean. Um, good service, good food. Um, you don't really feel like that you would be in in Middle East in a way. Sometimes it feels like you would be in in the States when you go to the mall. Everything is new. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing to complain about this place. So I think it's a lot of potential. Obviously, there's a lot of money in this place. You can see it. It's it's a it's a big place. A lot of people and. And uh, who knows? I mean, if if gambling, if they open casinos and gambling becomes legal here, it's it's in a location where you you kind of combine Asia, Europe, Africa. Like it's just in the location, Australia, like that. It's only from the states, I guess. It's it's a bit further, but but you get this weird feeling here that that you would be in the, in Vegas. I don't know what it is. If you know they ha- they have this desert desert here that. If it has something to do with that, there's no rain, like always nice weather, warm. But um, also, like, you know, people are here from all over the world. It's it's very international, very international. Like just, you know, a lot of Europeans, a lot of, a lot of Indians, Asians, um, just from everywhere. Everybody speaks English. 
So, and, and is, is it a like, so, okay. And is there, is there talk like I don't, the current legal structure, is it set up where it's not allowed? It's is there like a bill on coming or just sort of the, the idea and feel is that it may open up? Cause I, I have known that that Middle East is pretty stringent on gambling. I've actually been to Maldives where I passed through Dubai and they took, I was with a group of friends and we, they took our set of poker chips. Like they didn't even let us have like play chips, which I thought was pretty crazy, but I guess, you know, that's how, you know, the, you got to be careful and in tune to the laws, gambling, drinking, dr- whatever. You don't want to go to a place and not know what's going on and get yourself in trouble. But what, what, what is the reason that you think it's going to happen? Is it just like you've heard rumors or some important people that are sort of in tune are saying that's possible? Well, how, how, uh, how likely is it? I can't tell how likely, but I, I know a lot of people here and, and people are talking. All I know is that they're talking and, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, here it's, it's really safe. It feels like they know, like the police knows here about the games, if there's some games and, but I'm not going to go to those details. I just, this is just, all I see that I, you know, can have very big potential if, if, if it opens up in a, in a way. For sure. Well, tell me about your COVID. I don't want to spend a lot of time in this, but obviously, you know, it's been about a year, uh, a little over. How has your sort of year changed from what you were normal to and traveling and you know doing s- sort of things? How has your sort of lockdown been and where you are? I believe Monaco most of the time, right? Is that how, how was it there and how is it currently with that? Just uh, just quickly, I don't want to spend a lot of time on COVID, but just kind of curious. You know, it's always interesting to hear different parts of the world. Obviously, you mentioned Dubai. I'm currently in Miami. They're very, very open. Things are just almost as normal, uh, which is a little crazy because then when you're in spots or visiting places that aren't, you kind of realize how different it is. So so how is Monaco uh, in this last year and, and currently? Yeah, I didn't even know that you're in Miami right now. But yeah, I've been in Monaco since, since the COVID started. And... Uh, yeah, it's been a crazy year. <laughs> I've been healthy. Everybody's been healthy. Uh, I changed. I had a really healthy year, actually, because first time I had a really good, stable sleep, sleeping schedule, you know, bought all the all the good foods and cooked myself and good training. And, and in this way, in, in this way um, a very different year that I'm, I'm used to used to traveling so much playing playing around the world and and um nothing special i mean it was it was like for a lot of people i think in the beginning the first month was really good (laughs) because first time you were like forced to take a break from everything and now you could like (laughs) i started to read some a lot of books and do meditation all kind of stuff that suddenly i had all this time uh, all this time but then uh but then then when the time goes by too much then you want to get back to action obviously and and um hopefully we can get to action now soon yeah soon. for sure do you have do you have, do you have plans on the world series of poker i mean it's obviously a little uh up in the air on what's going to happen or what the rules are how things will go but the vaccines are out uh, World Series announced for winter time, I guess, right? Like late fall, sort of uh, October, November. Is that something on your list? Are you planning to be in Vegas for that time? Assuming you can be? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I miss Vegas. I'm actually planning to come to USA in uh, in early June. And the plan is to do some cash game events with uh, American uh, poker rooms, with first line of poker. So... This is something exciting, and then uh, then World Series later, of course, uh, of course, 
Very nice. Well, I see it on your shirt. I know you've talked about it a lot. I got to know. Tell us more about the first land of poker flop. Again, I said a strong word. F-L-O-P, F-L-O-W. Those are, those are good words. They're good poker words. It's, it's just a flops important part of the game, right? It's uh, you like see flops. Good players like see flops. Tell me what is this and how did you get involved? Give me a little bit of a background on what this project you're so passionate. And I know you've been, you've been working on and, and whenever we've talked over the last few years, you know, this comes up and you, you tell me it's progressing. I know there's been some big developments recently. So give me a little bit of an update and maybe those that aren't aware of it, an overview of what it is. Yeah, so basically um, um, it all started, if I can start from there, it's all started that um, I saw I saw a big, um, I, I saw that the light poker, light poker is, was missing all the, all the latest technology. And it was a big wake-up call with me that how difficult it was to just to get get to games, live games. It was so much hustle with with uh, in Cannes and in a lot of places. Like like just in general to just I think it's the hardest part. Um, once you wanna play, once you wanna play to get to the game, get to the right game, um, and and have chips in front of you and and. Um, this was the first thing that we wanted to bring. Bring that we wanted to get a, get an access to other players who want to play the same games and find find the games in the in the closest places to you where to play. And and um, um, so yes, this is how first land of poker actually actually that we started. But but uh, we are uh, we want digi- to digitalize the live poker industry basically and and now we have flapad which is a it's a, it's the first social media platform uh, for the poker community and the main features is that you can connect with other players who want to play the same games and find the games close to you and and we bring live poker closer to you just just with couple clicks you should be able to have a seat in the game you want to play and and find them. It's it's just too difficult of a process in general. That if you live one hour away from a casino, that you're calling and asking what games are going on, or you drive there. There's a full game. There's no game. You waiting. Um, all these processes. We want to save time. Time um, offer better service for for all of us. It's uh, there's there's just there's a lot of players that they don't they don't play at all because it's it's just a lot of hustle and and if you live in Las Vegas or somewhere where there's a really popular poker room where there's like a regular game every day that you know it's there and you you're going to be able to play um this kind of luxury is is uh, is rare to have in, in general but even in Las Vegas like we know when there's no like um popular tournament weeks or world series it's really empty in in regular weeks, and and then the communication struggle starts between players. And but it's it's really about it's really about uh, uh, it's as easy as that to connect with other players and and be able to create a game. And then we have built uh, uh, another tool called Flop PM. So this is even more more powerful tool because this is for the poker rooms that they it's a smart way for them to be able to reach the players and they can, they can create games. They see all the players who are on the, on the area and, and their game preference is what they want to play. And, 
And it's just it's just a communication. We solve the communication issue with with the players in the poker rooms, and and in this way, it's it saves time, and there's gonna be more games, better games, um, and I, I think this is this is gonna make a big difference in um, with the poker rooms. It's very cool. I got we got some questions live here in in the uh, the Twitch chat asking how much is it. So I guess there's different things, right? Because there's a flop PM. There's something for the cause the oper- operators or people doing the games, and then there's looks like flop GTL. So what are the actual cost points, price points for customers and, and what people could could get, or is it sort of a work in progress and not not fully out where it's at on that? Yeah, well, the app is free. Well, everything everything is free, but we we started to develop all these uh, GTL tools, which was a plan. But during the pandemic, when all the poker rooms closed, and uh, and this is something that we want to offer. We want basically we want to we want to offer all the all the things that we need as a poker player, except that you cannot play. We don't offer you cannot play anything in our app, but things like finding players finding when the games are, um, learning how to play. Um, we have this e-learning, e-learning tool now, the Flop GTO, that, that uh, you are for sure very, very aware of all these, uh, all these tools um, that is, is, is available. But we want to improve this GTO tool in, in, a, in a smarter way, how it can, it can optimize the user's learning in, in uh, uh, it's, I will explain later regarding that. But this is the, you know, this is the first version. Of this, what we, what we are giving out now, and this is what we have, and it's, it's for free for everyone till the first of June. You can have free access, and but I can say that it won't be anything, uh, anything expensive com- compared to what what is out there on the market. So right. these are very, very expensive tools, like you know, and and we wanna, we wanna keep it accessible for for all all the players very cool and and what about the live events because this is something i do remember again it's it's sort of hard to remember before the pandemic like it all blends together now where uh, i what maybe it was just before uh, i know you guys did some live events i saw there's some televised uh stuff with some big names i believe i forgive the netherlands or somewhere in europe but you were playing in some some uh, events what what's the plan for the live uh flop events and what do those consist of when you have them yeah well we created the a PAPC, Patrick Antonio's Poker Challenge. We did that one event in Tallinn when we launched the application. Uh, and uh, it was a nice event. We had couples, couple nice games that we streamed, cast games also. And uh, uh, But it's it's something like, you know, if you're going to throw an event, it's just uh, to throw it, to partner with some other brand or have a fun event. But nothing like a tournament series or something. And I'm more like looking to do this kind of um, cast game festival events for weekend that we invite a lot of players, have fun, play a lot of games and, and, um, and just, yeah, you know, do, do this kind of, do these kind of events in different, in different poker rooms. Uh, this is what we want to do with the American poker rooms in the USA when we, when we come there and, and um, bring them traffic, introduce our, introduce our what we have the flop pm the flop ad and have players to start using it and and um, start from there 
Very cool. And and do you have any of these U.S. locations based? Obviously, Vegas, Miami. Uh, there's a couple like big big hubs. Is there any any partnerships formed that you can talk about, or, or locations, or dates, or is it still with COVID and everything still not set in stone? Yeah, we will come to Florida first. Um, Florida. So see you in June. I'm not gonna publish now which which poker room we're gonna we're gonna do our first event or so on. But we will we will update when it's when it's confirmed. Very and, the date, and the dates are confirmed, but, um, very cool. And h- how much time are you allocating on this project? Cause it seems, I know you've been very passionate about it and you've been sort of the face of this, uh, operation. Is this, uh, is this something that, you know, how are you breaking up playing via online or whether you're getting to play some live or not? How, how much time are you spending out of your, your sort of free time, uh, pie on this project? Um, it's, well, mostly my time takes um, on these events when I play, and obviously, you know, it's been a big part of uh, developing. We've been three years, kind of, kind of um, looking deep to the, to like optimizing what we are exactly building, and and uh, and uh, there's been just a, so far a lot of development, and now it's we are ready to go. We were we were ready to go one year ago when the when the pandemic started, and then room closed and uh but now it looks like it's a good timing and it's also um also even now like with covid uh, um we don't do it like even even more now we don't we don't go to the poker rooms and just gather and and socialize and create a game there now it's even more that we would use this kind of digitalized tool an app to to create a game and get to get your seat and and then you just show up and play and but I, I I just see it as a as a you know it's one of the most luxurious things that if you know you have a you have a game at eight o'clock for example and and you don't have to stress about anything you know you just you can enjoy your dinner with your family and friends and you know okay I have eight o'clock game starting and you just go and show up and yeah, and it, you start playing and it, but you it's a great point because that is it is sort of I don't want to use the word ang- anxious or anxiety, but sort of annoying. Like if you're let's say you're in Vegas, you're at the Aria, you're there, you like you got to kind of hunt around, you got to make sure you get on the list, even if you call in or whatever. It's just kind of uh, you know I think that yeah, what well, you're mentioning the technology part of that where you just get to reserve your seat, you get to get in, you know you got to you're going to be there, you can see the lineup form, it's going to happen, people are confirmed. You know that takes away. Uh, it's sort of like, I, I almost like Uber, right. Or a taxi cab. Like it's annoying when you just have to call a cab, you got to see when, how far they are. You don't know when they're coming. You got to wait outside. It's just inconvenient. So this is almost like, sort of like in my mind, it comes, stands out to me almost like Uber. Like it's just very simple. Get to see where it's at. If something cancels or changes or whatever, you don't have to like call and disrupt yourself a quick, simple thing. So it sounds brilliant. I, I have it. I haven't been on in a bit, but I, I know these are some updates and a lot going on. So yeah, I think that really would be, you know, for the poker world, that's one of those more kind of like tedious, annoying things it is addressing uh, as well. So that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, and it sounds like a, you know, I think a lot of people, once they understand that and see that, that I would use this. So it's a, it seems really well thought out and uh, definitely going to help help the uh, the poker community. And is is this is this something that I see the members here? So it looks like there's there's twelve thousand members already on here, and like amount breakdown of mixed games, Texas Hold'em, and Omaha, uh, and it's pretty. It seems like it's doing going pretty well, and that's a good size numbers that have that have already signed up. If that's uh, that's current and and you know that it's impressive because that's a lot, and it doesn't. And I know you're just kicking up the marketing now. Yeah it's a good number without having uh, any poker room that we are partners right now operating that we just had um, 
we had a one poker room in in Paris that that started to use us, but also they had to close in the for the lockdown and they just used us few few months and they actually had really good results because in, in Paris they open other clubs and this club was full every day, all the tables full and they lost like all the players. They had one table, one table running literally every day and and since they started to use us they had like three three games a day they they got players back so players yeah. <laughs> like to use it and it's it's working in in it's yeah it's that's awesome i i mean listen it's, it's brilliant i love it i think it's a absolutely you know i'll say i don't want to pre but congratulations on on making that concept come to life because that is for sure something that is very relevant and, and useful uh for any player and any serious player knows how annoying that can be uh, and how much time can be wasted in sort of uh, of doing that? Um, let's. I want we we started out again. Most most people here I can, I can cut you off. Like uh, basically, like uh, this is this is for all of us. This is for the poker community. This is for us to to bring this kind of technology that uh, brings a better service, which will increase. Um, it will increase this industry. So in this way, like there's going to be more players playing. It's going to increase the popularity of the game. It's going to uh, elevate the standards of, of poker. Instead of looking at all these casinos, like everything is old, so old school in a way. Like, like, it's, like you said, all the other industries, they already have all the, all the technology to help us, you know, Ubers, all this, anything is anything. And we don't have this in, in live poker. And, and this is uh um, this is gonna hopefully make a big difference, and uh, it's it's just it's just one thing. But basically, we wanna we wanna bring everyone closer, poker closer to you, um, all the all the operators and the players. We wanna help the communication, and and uh, there's there's a lot of cool things. This is just one thing what we have, uh, one thing what we have, but kind of that we would have this one platform. One platform that you can do everything. We have we have uh, real time news in the app. Um, we're gonna do something with with uh, how you can improve your game in a very smart way. We are just developing these these also. And, and uh, well, I, I gotta say, like off the top of my head, I would say it sounds revolutionary to the point of big blind Annie shot clock. Right? These are things like finding ways that can speed the game up, make it more fun, enjoyable, not waste time with unnecessary things. So I, I'd say I'd put that right up there um, with that 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 sort of efficiency and just sort of something that is gonna you know likely change change the game for the better for a long time. So yeah, I think your, your point, it's, it's overdue. A lot of archaic processes in poker and things that haven't really been addressed. People just kind of going through the motions and, and not really paying attention to something like this, which can, can really uh, help a lot. So very, very cool. Um, I did want to, I did want to kind of let yourself give it a little more of an intro on yourself. Cause again, most people on the podcast are poker centric. They know Patrick Antonis. You've been around one of the OGs of the game, no question. Give us a little bit of background on who you are, though, and and, and before poker, and then we're gonna take a look at your hand and mob. It's always fun to go down memory lane, see some scores, kind of relive like the flags across the journey. But give me a little bit about who you are. I know you did some modeling, some tennis. Give me before poker, uh, kind of get a little bit of your upbringing, where you're from, and, and give me like a little r- quick bio and rundown for those that may not know about you, if you don't mind. That's a funny question. <laughs> I've been <laughs> I, I've been working a lot of uh, 
a lot of the spiritual stuff in the recent year, like, you know, since the pandemic started and, and, uh, and yeah, I'm Patrick, I'm a human being, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but my CV, what I've done, what I have achieved, uh, I was born in Finland. I grew up there, did a lot of sports, um, got into poker really early age at the early age. Um, um, I was lucky to live close, close to Helsinki casino, only casino in Finland. I went there at the age of age of 19 and played my first tournament. I won it and got, got more excited after being, we, we already played home games with my, with my friends, with my tennis player friends. Actually, like we practice a lot of tennis twice a day, played a lot of poker between the practices and after, and somebody found out Texas Hold'em and Omaha poker rules and we started to play those games and and um now it's you know it's been 21 years professional poker basically i did some studying i still even went to play college tennis one one semester just in the middle and did a military service in finland and uh um what else if you want to go go into details um had a nice, yeah. Where, tell me about college then, and, and you went in Finland. What was it like? Is it how is that compare with like college athletics there versus the U.S. From what you understand with scholarships and is it a big? Oh, actually, is it, yeah. Actually, yes. Actually, I came to the states to play one semester college oh, tennis, wow. just because they had a Finnish sports director and they had a basketball assistant. Got a lot of Finnish players, so they were calling me hundreds of times. Come, 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 and I'm like, okay, I come, and then. I, then I just played online poker in the evenings instead of studying. And I went straight to Vegas, <laughs> flew straight to Vegas 2002 or 2003, I think. And uh, I knew I was never going back to the, to the school. I, I knew I was not going to finish my, my college even. I had like three semesters left to finish it because I had some um, previous studying in Finland. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but things happen really quickly um, with poker, like, and... Um, Let me ask uh, you real quick, where, where did you go to, where was it? What state? Where would you go to school for tennis? Virginia, Virginia in, the, in Danville. So it wasn't even Division 1, one uh, it, was, it was Division 3. Um, but the point is that they had, they had good tennis players, a couple of Finnish guys and a couple uh, Peruvians and... And it was just, it was basically, I just wanted to see how it is. I was, I was curious about how it is to study and play college tennis and help my English in those days. And, and, uh, it was, it was good time, good times, uh, good, good life experience. It was, that's what I was looking for. Very cool. Well, uh, it looks like, I mean, again, this Hen and Mob is it, the stat is unbelievable on 133 podcasts, probably a hundred, hundred or so poker players. I'd say 96% final tabled on their first hen and mob uh, result. So see this, this is obviously looks like a fun thing. It was a, and you said you won your first ever actually, which doesn't look like it's on the hen and mob. Maybe it was like a local. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't do it, but, but so like you actually took down your first tournament. So that does fit the bill. And then here, the first ever recorded one is a fourth, but what, what's going on in St. Martin in 2003 that like, you hopped into a few. What what was this? What what brought you to Saint Martin? That's pretty random. Saint Martin. That was just meant to be a holiday. It was like my first one of the first poker trips. That uh, let's go to Caribbean. Nice holiday. We play some poker. And um, yeah, I had no poker goals. You know, I've been always cash cash game player. 
and um, the tournaments have been just like a fun bonus for me and I never really put any any kind of um, goals or effort for them like I never it was never like anything that I would have any kind of goals and and but I, I enjoy playing tournaments but also like um, uh, you know these cash games like I you know when you play high <laughs> I, I managed to managed to go uh, very fast to the highest stakes online and then live and and then tournaments were very small compared to the cash games money wise and and uh, but absolutely but take me to this so 2003 you're there on vacation were you already playing because I, I mean my start in online poker was like I think it was 04, 03, maybe around that exact same time, you know, where I first started playing. It was small, 25 cent, 50 cent, $5 sit and goes, whatever. So were you, was this 2003 time? Was this your introduction to poker or had you already started playing online and, and you had got some of a man? 1999. <laughs> 1999, man. <laughs> wow. Before the 2000, uh, I put $200 uh, online and I made it to 30,000 in two months started to play like 50 cent one dollar one dollar two dollar and then i went to two dollar four dollar and since then i never looked back um wow and i was keeping track and it was interesting times because you know i i could see that nobody knew how to play them and all the books what was written i, I never read one bo- poker book never read one page I never had anyone to teach me how to play, which I think these these have been the best things for me personally. Because uh, I believe in I believe in this this um, obviously like if you're getting good information from someone, yes, take it. But it can be very harmful also if somebody is not is telling you uh, things that won't work. But you know, once you do the, all the work yourself, um, then you know then you know you. you you know, it's like nobody can do that work for you. You have to play all the all these hundreds of thousands of hands. You have to make all the mistakes. You have to, you know, it's like it's it's um, it's the best way when you solve all the all the problems yourself in poker. When you learn how to think fast, adjust to every situation, and and you go from there. But yeah. I put a lot of, I put, you know, you know, I, I believe on this thing that um, in, in anything, like when you look at all the most successful people, whatever it is, it's sports, business, music, anything like they are not there for, because of luck. Like they, they are the ones who work the most. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of talent involved, but I played so much for like six years. I think I averaged I averaged probably like 12 hours or even more per day for like six years straight. And you could see the results, but thanks to online poker that made it possible. I, you know, my, my normal day <laughs> a long time ago in Finland was that I would, I would wake up and, and play online and I would have a workout at some point and then go straight to casino Helsinki, play a tournament, daily tournament, then cash games after they close it for you go home and play another one hour, two hour online, go to sleep. I did like this for in the beginning and, and uh, I played a lot <laughs> till like 
<laughs> what, what was what was 1999 because that old three i remember party poker that was the big one and you know that's where i'm that's where i'm at now one of the major rooms still what was in 99 was party open then what was the sites you played on i don't even know like i because that's a little before my time there was a site called paradise poker but i never played there really i, I my friends played i didn't, I didn't like it i didn't yeah, really I like on that one i didn't really like poker stars either and and um where I started to win a lot was this kind of this site called Twenty Four Hour Poker, and it had only Scandinavian players, which sounds pretty bad because they were actually the best players at the time. In in my opinion, like you could see them having all the all the best results. But the best thing about it was that we they didn't have so many players. They were not like you would end up playing with the same players a lot, like all the time. So this gave gave me an opportunity to improve my game with starting to learn how everyone plays and ex exploiting them instead of I would go to poker stars to play and there's hundreds of players and and um, I don't know anything about them so I couldn't make the right decisions against them and it was more like a, more like for the players who would play many tables at the same time and just kind of grind and I started to play shorthanded online without really knowing anything about it. And I was just, I, I learned the game in the, in the funny way that I was just extremely aggressive, didn't really know what I was doing, but I, I was just seeing that this betting works. Like I was literally playing a lot of sessions where I was just, just betting full pot, raising like almost every hand heads up or three-handed or four-handed, and they would just keep folding. And and these opponents, I still remember like they were not good. Like, uh, you know, when they when they would raise me and I had nothing, of course I would fold. But I learned it in the in the opposite way that I was playing way too many hands and way too aggressive. And then I would just little by little tighten up and adjust, tighten up and 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 adjust. And and um, I was telling to a lot of lot of my friends that who were asking some poker advice that that it's so much harder if you do the opposite that you start to play tight and now like you just don't know what to do with all these bad hands what are you going to do with the bad hand you don't know you don't know how you can how you can make profit out of it like when when you can when you can bluff with it with it and and so on so it was i think it was a good way in this way in in the in this way to learn but when i look at back at it it was it was almost crazy, uh, but I just learned about with only just playing, playing a lot. And nowadays, it's so easy to learn. Obviously, you can you can watch a lot of videos, and you have all these all yeah. these softwares helping and like giving you statistics. But I so I I got to ask you then. So that you make the point, you were playing on the site in '99. I haven't even really heard of this one. I know Paradise. Like this is sort of the very beginning of online poker. Then, so you're at right place, right time uh, to get involved. How are you then knowing, or is it just pure like no one really has information? Yeah, there's books. There's a the theory of poker. There's Skolansky, right? The the theory of poker. There's Doyle Brunson. You know, has the the super system. But like, if you're not reading books. And most people, is it just literally people clicking buttons and sort of whoever has a good at strategy games going to win and figure out what works and doesn't? Or were you like studying by talking with friends? Like how, how are you beating and, and, and sort of elevating and, and winning like versus the other people then? If like, what, what was your superpower then? I mean, I was, I was always analyzing, always, um, always analyzing. Like when, when I was not playing, I was thinking of my opponents and 
what I what I should do next time on on how, just kind of thinking that what type of person is a player is this guy and what they like to do their tendencies like really exploitative um, poker then and and then this has to be like that but um, what I was gonna say regarding um, regarding that um, yeah it it was really games that. Um, it was really new and it happened so fast. Like I didn't know that you can play poker professionally when, he, when, he, when I started, I didn't know there was world championship tournaments in poker. I didn't know there was any poker on TV, even though you had in USA already, like the world series was televised year 2000. So I didn't know any of this stuff. Um, but once I like, you know, I, I grew up in, uh, in, uh, nah, there's no really poor people in Finland, like in standard wise, but didn't have much money. I never traveled when I was young. We didn't have money to go out of Finland really. And, and once I made my, you know, suddenly I had hundred thousand and, and the money just was the, was the thing that got me, um, got me going. Um, um, but yeah, everything. I mean, I learned every game actually, uh, actually, uh, actually this way that I, I didn't know much in the beginning. Limit hold'em, no limit hold'em, cash game, all this, all this, and. Uh, but I was lucky at one thing because uh, online didn't have massive games then. Like I could go and play thirty sixty limit hold'em with the best player that existed right at that moment online on Poker Stars and learn really a lot from him so so um i was lucky to play the currently the best players in decently low limits and and learn from them and and pretty soon i i started to beat them and and uh it was it was a good way good way to learn but um but in if i look at back in the days like uh, you know i i consider myself as this older generation of poker um and you know how people approach all the poker how all the games happen like it's i i see that nobody really knew who was gonna who was good who was gonna be the big winner and you could just see that after x amount of x amount of playing you know after playing one week or one month or one one year with these players and then you would figure out this guy these are the biggest winners in in this game and and just the attitude uh, was was much different vibe with the games that nowadays I would see a lot of lot of just players they come from very analytics uh, backgrounds with you know calculating the value that you know they have based on based on the numbers statistics all these things and back in the days this was not the kind of mindset in in a way that people had much more gamble and much more um maybe more kind of this kind of love for poker also in a way um in a way the game has changed but uh but it was it was it was interesting but everyone can agree there was so many more like characters back in the days so you could see like like it was full of uh full of fun action but it still is it still is but uh but i the new generation is definitely they're making uh making a big impact yeah, no, it's it's a it's exciting time, and especially in the U.S., you know, there's a lot of states starting to legalize. Michigan, that's my home state. Uh, Pennsylvania, there's there's other states coming on board and looking at it. There's daily fantasies 
you know, prevalent sports betting is becoming legal. So I think the U S has been, you know, after black Friday, which I definitely want to talk about, you know, you've kind of had a wild ride to full tilt. One of the main sponsors of that getting sponsorship, I guess I want to ask uh, about your sort of family and what their thought was though on poker. So you, you kind of were going to the casino doing some sports, very similar. I played soccer in college. So, you know, you played sport in college. It's very competitive. I see a lot of similarities between sports and poker. Of course, it's almost, you know, some would argue it is a sport or you could, you could consider it one, a lot of, a lot of uh, mental toughness and, 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 and competitive uh, stuff there. But what, what was their thought when you said, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to Vegas or uh, did they know how much poker you were playing at that time? Was that, was, did, did you get any resistance from your family and friends or was it just kind of like, okay, you know, you've always been successful at what you do. Good luck, do your thing. Or were they like, Hey, don't gamble. You stay away from the casinos. Be careful. What, what was sort of the attitude of your loved ones? Yeah, I'm trying to pick my words, words properly. <laughs> I've always done pretty much what I, what I want to do. Nobody's had, has been able to stop me. Uh, I've done it. I, I feel like I've done all my decisions from the very young age, whatever. I started to actually work when I was 11 just to make some pocket money because I had to do, I was doing tennis coaching also, all this stuff. But sports have been my base. Sports have taught me like so much about everything. They taught me the, the real facts in life of respecting others. Hard work will always pay off. All, all these like... I I took all the lessons I've learned from trying to play professional tennis when I was young, and I transformed it to poker basically. And and um, but yeah, um, I've always got support from my parents. Um, they kind of <laughs> saw it that <laughs> they cannot do anything. I do what I want, and uh, and I'm smart enough to make make my own decisions at early age. Um, um, what else did you ask regarding? Yeah, just, I just if they were supportive or if they sort of were like worried about it or was it kind of like obvious quickly? Cause you, I think one of the interesting parts about poker in particular, those that have been around and withstood the test of time. And, you know, especially from our kind of generation of early on in the poker world, like those of us that came in, a lot of us started very small to your point. There wasn't like nosebleed games. So like someone like yourself or me who kind of came in with very little, maybe did some affiliate programs or, or whatever, right. Started playing small and built up a bankroll. It's a lot different than coming in right now. Or if you're older, right. Well, you were what, 19, 20, 21, I was 20, you know, 16, 17. So like, I wasn't like exposing myself to my bankroll or my, my net worth and just coming in and like, Oh, I'm going to play 100, 200. So kind of starting from the bottom, if you will, uh, the, the risk factor is different where if, you know, that's what I tell people now, if you're 35 years old, if you're 40, if you got a wife, if you have two kids, it's a little different to like hop in and oh I'm going to try to become a professional poker player. First of all, it's different. Now landscapes different things are tougher, but like that's a lot different than like starting with almost nothing building up, going along the way and then, and then going. So I think that's uh you know, it's a, it's a little different, right? Is when you risk not a lot and then you are able to acquire some wealth or acquire some, you know, move up the stakes and, 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 and tuck away some, some assets and things along the way. It's just a little less of a stressful and different yeah. situation. So, I, I mean, I think that's true for you. Yeah. That's when you're supposed to explore your options in your life, try a lot of different things, take risks when you are, are on that age, not when you're 40 with the families, so, yeah. you know, all this, uh, all this, um, um, yeah, um, but it's amazing actually, like when I look back, like how many people 
came to tell me <laughs> that better to stop now. Uh, like, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like, what are you like? Uh, like in Finland, they had like many people when they asked me, what are you doing? Like I'm playing a lot of poker. It's like, um, they, they, um, they immediately like attached it to something illegal, illegal. And something that is, is like, um, something to do with even cheating or something like dishonesty, some kind of like their image was that we're playing like a, with some criminals on the basement or something like this. Uh, and, and it's amazing how many people had to open their mouth and, and give how many people open their mouth and give advices or, about something that they have not, no idea what they're talking about. So why to say anything? Even Finnish people who really usually mind their own business and don't don't talk much, they I got I got multiple yeah. advices and nobody really said anything uh, anything uh, cheerful or positive uh, that hey good luck <laughs> good luck or uh, or or anything like this in a way but uh, but. Uh, It, it, it is kind of funny and sad in a way that there's so many negative connotations with poker. And I think a big part of that is like, again, you mentioned it in sports, right? You learn so many things like the same thing. Like my son is two years old now. I know you have, I believe two children. Is that right? Uh, you know, so many lessons from, from, from sports, from teamwork, from either your individual sports or not respect your opponent. You know, you get your cocky, you're going to get handed to you. It's happening in poker. You know, you got to respect your opponents. You got to take your wins and losses like at golf, right? Like uh, you can tell a lot about someone when you golf, do they say nice shot? Are they happy when you have success? Do you handle losing? Well, do you handle successful? All these, these sort of things that poker brings to the table. There's so many, like my father, he didn't, He was like a little worried, but, you know, supporting me a hundred percent, but he now plays and likes it. And he's like, wow, I wish I played when I was like 16 or 17 or 20. Cause like you learn and get to kind of, you know, take uh, what, you know, there's just so bankroll management or, or uh, dealing with highs and lows and, and, and variance, right. Variance is a real thing. We very variance happens every day. Like whether it's your people or, you know, whatever you could give extreme examples or little ones. So I just think it's such a pure and beautiful game. And the fact that there's like that, what I was, I kind of go on a tangent, I get fired up, but the reality is, you know, when you hear about Mike Possel, these type of things, right? Like cheating cards possibly, or, or other things, right? When you start hearing about negative things or a cheated game, or then that's what stands out that, that, that shock of like, of course it was this, but like so many of my closest friendships and opportunities I've had are directly from poker or indirectly like one remove where my best friends in the world. And yeah, I've met some bad people or bad intentions and I've seen ugly things, but guess what? You go in business, you go in sports, you go in whatever This is also true, right? Like it's not just like, Oh, poker is so crazy, but like, because it's directly tied to money and these situations, I think that's what kind of happens. And it's, it's unfortunate because it really is such a beautiful game. And I think like it should almost be a part of a business course as like a requirement to like play and understand some theories and principles of poker and what that is. So you know, it's kind of my rant, but I think that it is unfortunate that poker gets kind of like a weird at the same time. A lot of times I'm sure you're at the table and you're the most interesting guy there, right? There's like business people and sports athletes and people are like, it happens to me all the time where people just have like asking all these questions about poker and it's kind of fun, but it's like, also like, you're right. It kind of, they feel like, Oh, is this guy a little shady or like, you know, I luckily like you do business in poker. I do some as well. And that helps to make it a lot easier to sort of talk about poker and stuff. But I do think like someone who just plays poker, it can come across like, you know, they're on defense. They're like having to like justify or protect 
their 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 reputation. And I, it's unfortunate, but I think it's starting to shift a bit, but still not quite where it should be in the maybe respect that it should have. But yeah, that's but my it, all that being said, like like uh, isn't it funny uh, that that like the image that they might have, but poker players in general, like we have this common trust between each others that they don't have in other things. They don't have in in business in 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 business in industries like like we lend such large amount of money we handle with people. Your word is good for you and and you know you cannot keep dealing in in our community if you screw up if you if you screw up you steal money or something like everybody's gonna know about it where the word is gonna go around and and um I see poker players as as one of the most honest honorable people of course there's bad some bad individual individuals that stands out but but I see that we can trust each other a lot and uh we have something really special, like like uh, we have we have this community of of players. Like we all obviously we love our lifestyle. We are our, our own bosses. We can travel around the world. We can meet very interesting people all over the world. Um, we we don't want to work this kind of nine to five office hours in general. All these things, like we stand up for a lot of things. What comes to like personal freedom. Um, it comes with a lot of responsibilities also, obviously, because when you're a poker player, you're your own boss, you run your own business, like you run it. And, and this is where a lot of people might, might struggle. They might be good players, but they might, might make bad decisions with, with investments and money and how they, how they handle their bankrolls and so on. But we have a lot of things to stand for, stand for as a community. Like we are very smart people. Obviously, we play a game which is a sport of the brain. It's that's what it is. Poker. It's a sport of the brain, and and um, we have everything. I I I I'm so grateful of of uh, what poker has given to me, and you know it has given all the opportunities I have ever dreamed of in in my life and and uh yeah and i will give back <laughs> i will give back also <laughs> it's it's uh but but uh we have very we have something very special as between us in general it's it's like um it's a like you know you have you're in the same position as as, as i am you have friends around the world you can pretty much travel many different countries for sure and and stay with your friends and enjoy your life, you're always going to have that kind of life experience, like, like that it's, it's, uh, it's rare that people have a lifestyle like we have. And, um, I, but as a, you know, poker, we have that dream. We have that dream that anyone can turn a small money to life-changing money in, in one week in a tournament. You just play a satellite, get a ticket, and you ship the tournament, and suddenly you have a couple million. And uh, we have 
we have all all the good things. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I'm listen. I'm, I like I said. There's probably other things that I could have done or would would do, but I wouldn't really. Honestly, I don't think I would change it for for almost anything. And just sort of the journey and the the ride of it all is like it's part of the fun. Like I look at some of my friends now that are. Also, it's interesting in poker because I have guys that are 55, 60 years old that are some of my best friends, and I have guys that are like 20, 23. So sort of like you know a, a wide range, right? And it's like it's interesting, and I see and I tell those. Uh, friends that are younger, I'm like, man, enjoy it. Because part of the fun is those sessions. Like, well, you probably remember when you were at Helsinki, some of those days and grinding when you were playing for a low amount of money, you didn't really know how it would shake out, but you knew you could beat the game. Like that's some of the most fun. It's like the ride up the ways. Cause now it's probably, you know, you have kids, family play some, but probably not as much as you used to, or it's like, you know, I, that's how I feel at least. Like I don't get to play as much as I want or how as I used to. And that, and like even some of the smaller stakes were some of the, the most fun and memorable uh, sessions or, or time and, and exploration. But um, I want to, uh, I do want to spend some time here and shoot over to your Hendon mob, because again, I think it's, you know, first of all, guys, make sure you give Patrick a follow on Instagram and on Twitter. He does have his, uh, you know, Patrick underscore Antonius there and Patrick underscore Antonius underscore official, of course, flop. We mentioned this. It's really cool. Free, a lot of free stuff on there. You want to download that app and, and some other stuff coming. And as you mentioned, where you can find games and, and kind of reserve your seat, that aspect of it's really cool. And, and, and is, you know, I'm definitely going to be utilizing that if I'm at a live casino, as you can kind of see the example here, but I do want to just shoot over, look at your career, 12 million, you're a cash game player, pretty not shabby for a guy who doesn't play a lot of tournaments, 12 million uh, in, in terms of lifetime earnings, you can see in Finland, number one all time, kind of curious who else, I guess I could have a guess. Yeah, there he is. Uh, healthy and, and Joni, great young player, uh, party poker uh, team pro as well. Very nice guy. How well do you know Joni? Yoni. Yeah, I know him. I played golf a couple of times with him. Nice guy. Very All cool. Yeah. I am. They're nice. Nice. Yeah, man. It's uh, for sure. So we're going to scroll down a bit. We'll take a look. I just want to kind of go down memory lane here. We looked at your your massive first score, the, the $200 in St. Martin, as uh, you broke into the, the Hendon mob with a nice flag. But I want to look right after. Tell me what it was like in this PCA main event. So it was already 2005. You're pretty well into your career. Was this, uh, I mean, this is big money up top. Was this even exciting? Or what, what stakes were you playing at this point? Were you playing like 100, 200? Was it, was this a thing yet? Or where were you at this time? I, I was, I was playing big. Um, um, that was, huh? 2005, 2005. Yeah. That I was, I was playing very big then. I started to play in Bobby's room. I, I ended up playing, I think 2000 and, 2006 or five, I started to play 4,000, 8,000 in Bobby's room. So I had a, I had a few million, I had like a three, four million bankroll already. I, I can, I can, uh, um, yeah, I can, I can tell a few things what people probably don't know um, about it. I, I had really, <laughs> like I said, I played a lot. I managed to play the high stakes online. Um, cause I kept track for, for a long time. Just, uh, I just wanted to see how am I doing? I played around like 2003, four, five, 2002, three, four, five, those four years, I played the highest stakes online without having one losing month. Wow. I played over four years straight. So I managed to win a lot of money and get a lot of hands in and build my games up. And, and I kind of ran um ran out i i got run out run out of uh, games and then the bobby's room game was the next one for me that that came and actually actually i i a bit regret how i approached the bobby's room game because i did it in the same way as i did 
all the other games before. So I just I just started to play these mixed games, 4,000, 8,000, without any experience. Mm-hmm. And I even managed to, uh, like, <laughs> I think, win in the first year I played. But I, I, I ran really good, and, and it was... It was not all the games we played, like no, like 10 or 14 different games. We played a lot of games that was four to six games and PLO was there and, and some of the games that I was already good. Um, but um, I think from those 12 million, actually, because uh, I never played a lot of tournaments and it was it pretty much all came in 2005 when I played a lot of tournaments. That was the year that I did. I was traveling and playing. I won, I won Scandinavian Open. I won EPT. I came second in uh, in Vegas on five five diamond something like Bellagio five uh, diamond or yeah I, I saw that I saw a little little hot streak here to end the year September you get third in an EPT main you then go next and you you win it what was this like I mean to get an EPT title is nice but kind of how do you play four thousand eight thousand and then how do you hop in a five k multi day tournament how are you how is that exciting for you? How are you able to like dial in and just, did you say, I want to win a major tournament? Like what is your motivation here to do that? Or do you just play wild and try to get chips to start and then, and then hunker in? You know how I won that EPT? <laughs> I flew straight from uh, Aruba, I think, Aruba. And uh, I, would, I just decided to go to play this. I never been in, uh, in Baden, Baden it was. I arrived like six hours late, day one, my stack was 50% from the starting stack because then it was so long time ago that your your stacks, they put on a table when it when the day starts and if you're late one hour, you're going to have less chips. So I had like less than 50% of the, of the chips and uh, I, ended up, I ended up winning the tournament. And, and the day two, <laughs> I was so jet lagged that I, I couldn't get out of the bed. I came like 40 minutes late on day two on, on that event also. But I, I played a really good final table and uh, I played a good tournament otherwise. otherwise. So, um, but pretty much I think I think 2006 was the year that the cash games were so big. I, I quit playing tournament poker. I probably played like maximum five tournaments a year for the next, like, I think for the next 12 years. And then I came back, I started, 2018 was the year when I came back to play tournaments, live tournaments. And then I think you're going to see like a lot of results that year. I, one big result was the, in Macau, the super high roller. I came second was 3 million. But this is interesting. They actually, I've never seen this on the hand mob. They're showing a 25 K buy-in. Was this a free roll or something or what, what, or why, why did Phil Ivy actually won? Why are they, this is the first turn I've ever seen. They list where the, who doesn't cash? They put the 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 hand in mob up. Do you see this? Yeah, but what? Which tournament is that? It's a twenty five k in Monaco, like right before you uh, took second in the fifteen k in Bellagio for a million. Um, wow, that's a huge payout. What a difference between first. It's it's crazy. I used to do the double double double. But isn't that kind of weird? They they I've never seen where they show who doesn't cash. But um, anyway, yeah. yeah. Very big difference on this Bellagio, the first and second. And I was chip leader on the. I had more chips on this heads up, and I lost Ace King against Ace Four All in. <laughs> that I remember. Wow. And legendary Doyle Branson was on my table. That I, <laughs> I ended up saying something dis- disrespectful for him then, because <laughs> he played pretty badly. His his deuces. He he limped from the small blind. And I shopped all in on the big blind and he snap called me like 
it's a it's a weird play like nowadays when you think about it like he should have just gone all in and you know what i had what's <laughs> this that is, is what i had uh aces ace deuce <laughs> so oh. he trapped he trapped me he trapped me great there. well yeah obviously not aces you wouldn't have shoved no man yeah i was just uh but yeah so ace deuce so he man that's the yeah, the one hand he really he wants to see he got you he, he read it in your eyes man that's the guy that's the legend but what a what a what a stacked final table definitely some uh power names there it's good to see to lock and yeah big score though what was uh so i mean after you hit that million dollar score i mean you're already playing high stakes it's kind of whatever but is it uh i mean you said you just stopped. That was it. Like tournaments, you just rarely were playing. So that that was kind of... 2006, I still played few, but I think then I really... I don't know. I played like main event um, in, in... Like I really... Uh, 2005, I played a lot of these World Series tournaments still, but then uh, World Series became like a no deal for me. Any since then, really, I was always in the cash games and, and I do not have a bracelet. I came third once in the in the PLO, PLO, and that's that's the closest I got. Uh, made one horse final table. That was maybe two thousand and five or six. First time I, that was when I started to play play um, these mixed games. What's your What's your favorite mixed game uh, now? I mean, you play so obviously you play you play no limit. You play PLO frequently. Do you play? Uh, what, give me a breakdown of your your poker games that, that you like to play now. Like, what's your what's your Hold on PLO and what else? Uh, yeah, well, as a cash game, PLO is my favorite. Four-card PLO. Then you can add a you know, five-card PLO. I done really well in Omaha Era better. Limit. Um, limit Hold'em, I was doing really good online back in the days. I like to play all the games, but um, the games where you have less opportunities to bluff, I find them worse for me, and, and I find them that there's... It doesn't play to my skills in, in some way. Like now you cannot do as much and the strategy becomes more, more in, uh, you just have to play the hands more in certain way. Like once there's no, no opportunities that you can, you can, you, you can buy the plot, buy the pot. So big bet games have always been obviously much better for me than limit games in this way. But I did play. I did play a lot of limit hold'em online, and and Omaha had a better. And yeah, I was playing. Actually, uh, full tilt days, I was playing any game, all the highest limits for a long time, and and um, that was like my my peak. Those years were my peak. I was, I don't know if you can call it dominating, but but uh, I I have the best results. Uh, I don't know if there's any records in this way, but for sure, I think it's online somewhere, but for sure I won by far the most money regarding online cash games that anyone, not, I don't think anyone is even close. Phil Ivey was doing really well at some point because he crushed the full tilt games, but um, I won a lot of money before they even tra started to track these games and now they don't tra track them anymore. And, and Biggest part two against Victor Plum. <laughs> that's one point three million part. It's, it's gonna stay there for a while, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's that's a healthy one. Not, tell me a little about Full Tilt. Tell me a little about your experience there. Uh, what happened? I mean, this is a you know they really did make it cool. They did a great job marketing. Biggest, brightest names, the televised poker after dark, all this stuff. You know, they they basically grabbed all the most interesting or well known 
players and sort of just put it together and, and it worked. What was that experience like in negotiating a deal? Did you have an agent? How did they approach you? You're obviously friends. I think, uh, well, Marcel Luce, is he one of your mentors? And, and Jennifer Harmon is a good friend of yours. Like, tell me, no, that, that's put on Wikipedia. Get, like, set me straight. Who's your mentors? Let's break this down. What's going on? This we can correct. I've been correcting, you know, I've been correcting this already <sighs> insane how many times. I don't know. Once they put it once there, it's impossible somehow to get it out. And I don't know. I think they just somebody wrote it on some magazine at some point, and they somebody took it from there. But I never had any mentor, man. I mean, <laughs> who, the, who would have been my mentor? <laughs> I uh, so so I, I don't have I don't have any of that stuff. But it's I was just part of this. The Marshall Luce created this thing called Circle of Outlaws. At some point, they wanted to do something with upcoming young players and this was a long time ago was before 2005 and and this is where they got like uh, got like uh, Marcel Luska's name name over there but um, what did what did you ask regarding this yeah full tilt full yeah, tilt get, get brought up how did what was sort of like yeah. the, the terms or like how were they like oh we're gonna do this or were you like absolutely I want to do it or were you kind of unsure because I mean it's, it's like it was revolutionary at the time and what they were doing Yes. Um, well, I was I was uh, negotiating between Poker Stars and Full Tilt then, and I would have got a much much bigger contract with Poker Stars, but I knew that all the games that I wanted to play were on Full Tilt, so I had to go with them, and I got a really big contract anyway. So I was really happy, and I think Full Tilt did like really amazing amazing things <laughs> at the beginning, like they were taking poker to mainstream like they were making it really sexy and popular and uh, you know running a lot of a lot of televised shows like also you know high stakes poker all these all these poker after darks and uh, and yeah they they definitely did a great job that increased the popularity of the of the players in around the world and and how much poker was shown on tv i obviously became really famous because i was on tv so much playing playing all the high stakes poker and poker after dark and and i was i was then <laughs> always the youngest one which was which was um which was nice <laughs> nice then uh, then but then obviously what happened was very unfortunate for for all of us and and yeah it hurt me obviously big time also like uh like was a you know hurt hurt the whole poker community but personally like yes a lot of people owe me a lot of money from those days that couldn't pay back because of full tilt and then all the contracts done and i couldn't get my last year salary with them and i had some kind of deal with with one player who had an ownership like i i split the split the piece of ownership in the way uh but yeah yeah it was it was just just uh, you know i don't i don't think about it anymore it's it's uh it's like I, I don't really live in the past it was it was really exciting times because things were happening really fast and it was a, like a good example how fast things can happen in the poker worlds right like also like how now gg poker became really really popular and i think they're doing really really good things in a way of, of um, making online poker a little bit more interesting, interesting, but um, anyways, these online tournaments are not like, not like um, 
not like my thing in general. There's, I know there's some big tournaments right now going, but but it it doesn't play to my to my skills. But but I yeah, I like to play sometimes. But I'm not that guy. I'm not that online poker tournament grinder. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as we find like it just becomes even. I'm noticing already with the two year old son and family and stuff too. It's like the online it's so fun like to play these big buy-in big tournaments like from the comfort of your home whatever but then at the same time like when you like to have a schedule and a family and do things and stuff it's like and then you're in a room you know it's it's uh you're more of a live guy right i mean you've been a live guy you play live you like traveling going to the stuff playing playing in uh, venues and you know i'm kind of i'm kind of more in that that school too for me twitch is fun i like to engage with people and do stuff but other than that like i prefer live poker uh my, myself and and when full tilt you know that black friday happened what was your, what was sort of like your initial thought? Like, cause for you, I mean, you're not a U.S. citizen or you weren't a U.S., but you're living maybe in the U.S. And, and, and you knew that this was going to affect the whole industry. Did you think online poker would be basically sunk or do you think that, were you surprised that it kind of stayed afloat and now it's even kind of coming back a bit with U.S. coming back and whatnot? Like what was your sort of thought initially on Black Friday, which was that 2011, April 15th, I believe. What was your sort of like, what am I doing now? How did that affect your life at that moment? Yeah, things it was it was pretty dark year actually for me. Um, but I didn't like think of that it was gonna really they were gonna ban online poker. Like I thought it was like somehow kind of a temporary temporary thing. And then it was really surprised that Full Tilt couldn't survive that survive because they were they were running around and trying to get an investor to to bail them out and just like. I mean, they did the same as poker stars. They did the exact same thing as full tilt, but they had all the money to pay pay the players, right? That's why they went broke a full tilt because uh, they didn't have the players' funds. And um, but yeah, that was a funny year. It's it turned things around. I I remember I came to Vegas and it was the worst worst summer I've ever had in Vegas. I lost crazy parts. I la- I lost like. 920,000 pots in the weirdest way to one outer. I lost to like over 600,000 pots where I made a runner runner, not flush in Omaha, but the guy made a straight flush on the river. And there was already like 150K on the pots before the river. And, and I lost all kind of weird hands. And I remember I flew to Macau from, from Vegas in August, played massive games. I lost... I lost uh, the biggest no limit holding pot I've ever lost. I flopped the middle set. I was it was over 18 million Hong Kong dollar pot, and um, I started to lose in a weird way. It was it was really weird year um, for me. And and then the worst thing was that actually like all the big games they dried up for a long time. Like in Vegas, they had I didn't play at all. It was like 400, 800, 300, 600 mix it went 10 times smaller and uh, and yeah it's yeah it's pretty that's pretty crazy timing right like you're saying you're basically the online goes away you got this sponsorship deal you get crushed in disgusting fashion and then the game's like shoot down so you can't even play if you wanted to play bigger so i mean you must have felt a little trapped and kind of like wow that's uh yeah things happen very fast and then that's uh man that's pretty that's pretty brutal and and how did you sort of did you start getting more into business did you, how did you sort of cope with all that? And what were you doing then in this period of time when the games got super small? What, what was sort of happening for you in, in your daily life that was different? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I kept always playing cash games and private games and it's just the biggest games tried temporarily. And also online, online was not, was not the same. And, and um, 
not going to go to like too much to business details. But if I look, if I look at back, like I thought then I was, I was always winning, crushing my self-confidence. Like that's one of the things I never like lost any confidence in, in poker, like, which is a big thing as a poker player. Like once you start losing and you can go, like you can go for long, bad run of cards. It's a big, big part of our game is, is some variance and luck. And, and, um, I never really doubted myself and so on, but, but, um, um, but when I look at afterwards now, I didn't handle it mentally as, as, a, as well as I should have or could have, but I thought I was fine. But when I now look at back, I think it took, um, a toll on me in what comes to like my mindset wasn't the best possible. I was kind of rattled for a long time, like a few years, I think, you know, it's, it's, a it's a big thing when things are perfect and going well and you have no rush, no rush, you know, you can make the best possible decisions because there's no time or money affecting your decisions. You just make imperfect decisions when you're playing, when you're not playing, when you're quitting, what games you're playing, where you're going. And suddenly when you have to, when you have to make decisions based on something else, like you're grinding and, and, and forcing it a bit, it's, um, the results were not, were not so good in, in, uh, in certain way, but also variance wise, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, a lot of things happened, um, in, in this way, but I look at all these like as, as a positive, <laughs> I look at it as a, as a positive life experience in, uh, in, uh, in a way <laughs> I can share you like, for example, the mind is a very powerful thing, but I was thinking many times that my life is too perfect and too good. Um, you know, I felt like I achieved everything I could achieve regarding poker. I played the highest games for so long at so in, such a young age. Um, basically I wanted to play bigger and there were no bigger games and, and in this way and everything was good. So I was kind of looking for more challenges and more, you know, difficulties to overcome in life. And then I got them <laughs> obviously it didn't take too much time, but I, I had those kind of thoughts before the black Friday happened that I need to challenge myself more that it's, it was almost like that life was getting a bit boring for me in in uh, if you know what i mean yeah, it's of course it's it's, uh, it's really um and it's it's funny how we many times we want the things we don't have and we uh, we don't appreciate what we have at that that moment and then you appreciate yeah it's, no, like, it's like having a cold right or getting sick or you're like oh i take for granted that you just like things are good but then when you catch a cold or you get whatever you just start you start thinking about it. it's, it's absolutely true i mean i think the the thing about black friday for me personally too it's like one of the things you just it, it reiterates that lesson that it's not about what happens it's how you react because like at that time i also was just basically playing online i wasn't really working on my game i wasn't traveling much i wasn't exercising i got out of sports i had uh you know now i was just kind of at home and 
and, 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 and living in a place where I just sort of was going through the motions. I guess that's a good way to look at it. So like when that sort of Black Friday happened, it made me rethink things, started getting out there, travel more, get back in shape and looking back on it. It's one of the best things that happened. Right. But in theory, like it, it feels like the end of the world when it's sort of like you get like a, a sudden forced change on your day to day. So, um, yeah, for sure. I think that's uh, that's powerful and, and, and just one of those uh, one of those things that happens and then you got to deal with it. So what is a. Uh, but I, yes. I do want to make sure we take some questions on Twitter because there's a hundred plus. So we'll, we'll definitely hit some of those. What would you say that poker, what, what specifically do you think poker has helped you with the most in life? What, what attribute or what skill set have you learned from poker in particular? Hmm. Most valuable. Hmm. Um, that's not the easiest to answer actually. Um, if you ask him most valuable, but um well, poker gives you gives you an opportunity to to um, learn a lot about yourself, like how you are handling um, a lot of different kind of situations that you would maybe not normally normally experience, like how you are handling the the big losing sessions, also big wins. Um, um, uh, Obviously, poker like gets psychologically very challenging and interesting, and you learn a lot about people and 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 players. and And it's this is very interesting part of poker. Like it's also very interesting how you know it doesn't really matter what kind of personality you have, but you become a player when you start playing poker, and and you can forget about the person, and you have to study the player, all the tendencies and all the habits and behavior. Like you can. <laughs> It's the funniest thing how you can have the most proper guy who turns you into a complete emotional wreck and asshole on a table and vice versa. You know, some some crazy guys, they are like the most conservative on a table and so on. But yeah, you learn a lot about people and and uh, communication, communication things. This is uh, this is this is very valuable thing. And, and um, I have learned um i believe i have developed something really special with uh being more tuned with my body i i i'm a uh, it's not a secret I'm, I'm i'm a big time field player i um i i believe that the body is so much more intelligent than our minds and that was one of the biggest differences in in my poker that that once I started to listen my instincts and go with that gut feeling, that's when I started to have the best possible results. But this didn't happen when I when I was playing those online sessions those early years. This this happened when I started to play the biggest live games, and I think I had to go like fifty times at least to against my gut feeling because I couldn't overcome the 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 decision. But my what my stupid brain was telling me that you have the second nuts, you have to put the money there or, or so on, or there's something, you know, my gut feeling was telling there's something wrong with this hand, like, you know, your instincts. And I have a, I have a very, I have my own theory, how the instincts actually work. It's like your body is very taking a lot of information, what you observe and, and kind of analyzing it unconsciously. And it, it gives you, it gives you the information. Like it, you just have to have to trust what you feel, what it tells you. Like it's it's really accurate. Your especially your bad feelings, how how accurate they are. And you can you can they. 
I guess this is the most um, valuable thing that poker has taught me that you can I can I can take this skill now to normal normal social situations with dealing with people and once you communicate with them you can get you can get uh, a feeling that is this person talking the real truth or is he hiding something or how is the energy how does the energy feel and and you start you start paying attention unconsciously for these littlest things of the eye movements or some body language or something and and uh, I don't know if you get really good at this without playing poker, just with dealing with people. I guess it's the same thing. But anyways, anyways, I've I've gone through a lot with uh, getting better at at kind of kind of uh, getting feel with people. Right. No intuition, and I, I agree completely uh, with what you're saying. I wanted to elaborate a bit because I saw this question on the Twitter comments and, and questions. What what do you do though? Like you say you wish you had handled it better and I think it really did affect you. What are some some sort of tricks or tips or how do you deal with, you know, when you're not running well? Because I think one of the hardest things in poker is to understand the uh, variance, right? Like you could win on a day in a big cash game and not play well, or you could lose and play well. So how are you able to kind of, um, you know, separate those those feelings and those understanding of the game because it is hard like sure you can look at an ev calculator or something and try to say but you know there's not many people that like lose that win on a day and go back and say oh i need to like evaluate now some people are critical of themselves and realize wow i got really lucky in a big pot and i would have been down overall or whatever and maybe i didn't play well but how do you kind of separate that winning and losing and, and results oriented if you will how are you able to this this uh you know because you said you lost a disgusting yeah. passion one out how are you able to break that down and, and do that for yourself and, 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 and get out of like a negative sort of rhythm or funk. What, what's like some things you've learned to do? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point that you brought, like, uh, being result oriented is obviously really bad. You're going to go wrong if you go that way. And one of the skills that you must have as a poker player that you have to know how, how the results happen. You need to know that how you are winning, how you are losing. Are you winning because you're getting lucky or are you winning because you're outplaying your opponents or are you losing because you're getting unlucky or are you losing <laughs> because you're just, you're just uh, getting outplayed and, and uh, only you can tell, right? Nobody else. Nobody else uh, the thing is we have to do all the work ourselves, really. Uh, really uh, online is a different thing with all the numbers, right? So we, we're not talking about online. We're talking about live here. But right. obviously, you know, sometimes we play, you know, we cannot control that we always play a game size which fits in our bankroll and we go to bigger games sometimes and sometimes we go, we play also smaller. But, um, but um, yeah, um, I, can, I can tell that um, I have always... Actually, bankroll management is very important um, regarding regarding this. And uh, if you ever get a, you know, you can take, I believe you can take big shots in big games, but those are just shots. And if it doesn't go too well, you gotta you gotta be able to suck it up and and grind it back from the games that you're you you're not risking your bankroll too much. But it all depends on the risk risk and uh, reward. You know uh, how you right. say reward uh ratio ratio yeah, yeah for sure what, what have you ever I, it strikes me as you started where you started and built up a role have you ever gone broke 
playing poker technically? Like, cause I guess, you know, I'm sure with bankroll management, you saw maybe some pieces or you don't, I have no idea. Like I, myself, you know, I'll play some hundred K buying tournaments or play a massive cash game and I'm selling a lot of action or taking different deals. Like, right. It's like sort of like to your point when you were playing high games and then they all of a sudden disappeared, it's pretty upsetting. But like, if you have the choice and you could go play a 200, 400 game one day, but you normally play 10, 20, you know, you gotta, it's kind of hard to just like not sell some or, you know, take away. I don't know like what your, your formula, how you've done it, but long winded question. Have you ever gone broke? And what about like selling pieces in action? How do you sort of do that? I've never gone broke, but there was a couple of times a moment when I was like uh, low in liquidity, like cash, cash broke while I was owning houses and companies and so on. So this doesn't count. I right. cannot, cannot count. Obviously you can go and sell your house, sell your companies. You have couple million or whatever after right right well i was just lucky that i you know once i once i started to win that year 2000 and you know gains were good like i built a big bankroll without losing having losing months like uh and and this is what this is what has been carrying me carrying me i would have had to do a lot of losing losing things then but obviously a lot of things have happened like this. <laughs> I think I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I've done few, few things that I would definitely do differently nowadays. Also, like, um, but I could not see this full tilt, for example, coming. Like, it was a lot of people owe me money because of this, this, and uh, and I trusted too many people back in the days with big money, and and um, there's been a lot of unfortunate cases in in this way, and. In this way, I could have managed my, my money better. I've always done good money management with poker in, in a way like, you know, when, once I started to play this $1, $2 in the very beginning, I never skipped a, le- a limit. I went to $2, but it just happened really fast that I, I was playing a lot and to move up a limit, it's, it went really fast. I was literally stormed from the lowest to like all the way to 300, 600 limit games in like one year in the very beginning, one and a half year. And, and those were the highest games then. And, and, um, but yeah, I don't, what do you think? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think that there's ever going to be online games like full tilt times anymore. I mean, those were crazy games. Like, like my I biggest, know, I, I got to disagree potentially with the U S coming back online. Crypto's at an all-time high. Poker's so dominant with crypto. There's so many people that have, have come into some some substantial wealth that like to gamble. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're right. It's unlikely, but I don't think it's I don't think it's like a huge underdog. I think we could see some massive massive games brewing here in the next two three years. Uh, it's a little interesting. Like states like Florida, California, you know, will it come back online and with the tribes and how it, how how it's all shakes out? But I, I don't know. It's also the economy, the world, right? Like things could collapse at some point it's kind of a weird time like everything's sort of booming but like everything's kind of shut down it doesn't make a lot of sense so i think there's a lot of what ifs but i think there is the making of some um some major online action and different things at the same time the game's becoming more solved and 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 all that so it's kind of just like a lot of things at once but it it depends and as you said though the poker world happens very quickly right like news announces dubai gets legal right (laughs) you know dubai becomes like online's legal live casinos like i mean could be could be uh could be a new new deal it's hard to say so um it's really really hard to say um but uh but it's 
Yeah, exactly. Let's. We just all have to hope the best. Let's hope poker gets legalized everywhere in the states. It's pretty ridiculous that you are not allowed to play online poker in general. It's it's. But there's a lot of lot of effed up laws around the world, and uh, and we have to just just uh, adjust. Yeah, absolutely. Just, I, but before we go to Twitter and take a lot, we're going to try and rapid fire through a lot of these questions. I do want to ask you about playing televised high stakes poker. Will you be back on poker after dark? Uh, do you have anything planned for that? Uh, first that, and then I got another follow up on the old days of poker after dark. Yes, I'll be playing high stakes poker. Uh, they're going to shoot next time in the summer. I think it's in July. And I couldn't play because I couldn't travel to USA in November when this was, this was a uh, shot now. I mean, it's really nice that high stakes poker is back. It's there's something, at least for me, there's something that it's very enjoyable to watch. And this is this is something that you know has made poker very popular. This is why a lot of people like poker. I mean, I see a lot of people watching this show that they don't watch any other poker or even they're not interested with poker. Uh, so I'll be back on that show. I I can promise promise that as long as. Yeah, now I can travel travel to the USA. Uh, I just have to go out of Europe for two weeks before before I can I can yeah. I can enter the country. Uh, very very cool. I see a lot of people asking about that, so that I know that'll be exciting. And, and uh, a lot of people have some very memorable hands. Anyone anyone that stand out? How exciting was it back then? Because again, these are high stakes. It's televised. How do you kind of approach like a, a four thousand eight thousand or you know a massive no limit game at the Bellagio or in Macau? where there's no cameras versus when you play poker after dark, like, cause you don't want to get bluffed. You also want to make great folds and stuff. How does that sort of play in at that level, those stakes with the, with the cameras? Cause uh, you know, I, you see this in tournaments, right? Like this happens too. You can tell people play a little differently a bit and you got to always be aware and think about it. You get also, you get to see, right. That's another thing. If you fold, you get to see it. So like, this is a very, very strong psychology of, of uh, situations. How do you kind of approach that? And, and back then, too, how was it? How, how was that when you would go and play this game? How exciting was it? Yeah, I was, I have to say, I was really pumped up to play then. But I was, I was young and furious. You know, I had, if you, if you go to see my legendary interview at 2005, when I was looking for a lot of action, <laughs> You can you can go to YouTube and, and check it out. So I was I was really excited to play. Um, I also knew that you know the game was really really good for me. I was you know I I I had a very very nice game. I don't think there was every game every game was big and exciting and, um, and that's uh, I think that's just that could be my could be my best skill in poker that playing high stakes. There's something that it brings the best out of me. Um, there is just something into it that the bigger the parts, the bigger decisions, I get more more into it with the feeling got more to present. Like uh, I just, I've been able to play very, very well. And I, I feel like I won almost every time I played on TV. Also, I never felt uncomfortable with the cameras or with I never had these kind of thoughts that how anything would look on TV or something. I was just focusing for the game. And so it kind of I'm comfortable there in this in this situation which 
which is, I don't know, kind of surprising. I was never, never had any experience before televised poker of being in, in front of the camera or TV, yeah. really. And, and you, uh, did, you did some modeling or no? Because this is something you said, like I see in your thing, tennis modeling. What you, so you have some like being in front of camera, but maybe not video cameras. But what was that like? What how, what did that entail exactly? Were you in some commercials or what was that? Yeah, well, I mean, it was just basically for money. When I was studying, when I was young, I was you know, it was better to take a job that they shoot a catalog and you with the model agency you go and three hours work you get paid, but you would get in, I don't know, one week or two weeks working in the cafeteria or something like it. Paid okay. It was just about the money. And okay. Maybe I got some experience just with, I don't know, being based photo shoots. This is yeah. something that it's not, it's not, a, it's not a career. It's not a job to me. It's, it was just, uh, yeah. just to do for money, but it helped when I was 17, 18, it did help. Get some buy-ins for the Helsinki Casino. Let you fire a little, little, little uh, harder there and, and more. So that's that's good. Very cool. Um. Well, yeah. So that the, the experience, like, so you that that sounds like it's very valuable because I definitely think people overread that or think about that and maybe aren't super comfortable in front of the camera. So of course that is a that sounds like a pretty nice advantage. But also, you know, a lot of those guys and and, and Jennifer Harmon and others seem very comfortable there too. Phil Ivy, like, also I would put him up there in the presence of just like you know doesn't even look like he's noticed he's on TV or anything. He's just kind of playing and doing his thing. And, and like Antonio Fandiari, Negron, you helped me with these guys have been around a long time and done it a lot. So, you know, I don't know how much they're giving up, but I'm sure some of the players you did feel that you had an advantage or that were a little bit un, uneasy or, or just not fully comfortable. Um, and, and, and it, so I'm sure that helped you a bit. Like everyone wasn't that comfortable. Yeah. the com- I mean, the comfort zone is a big thing in poker. I mean, some people, just can't play high enough because they feel pressure with the with the money or something. Even if you have a lot of money, it doesn't mean you're comfortable playing high stakes, right? And it's amazing how you can get used to anything also. Like when you play first time very big for sure something new and it it's not something you in immediately like, okay, this is for me and and uh but yeah Televice Poker has been has been uh has been a good skill a skill for me. Like it just plays perfectly to my skills, just high stakes poker live. And then you add that television when somebody might, might be kind of rattled by it in some way, might be thinking it would be the worst thing to do in the middle of the hand to think of how is this going to look on TV when you're going to think of if you're going to bluff or call, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. thing that lasts in my mind. You don't, you don't, you don't want to go, you don't want to go down that, uh, that path if you can. Um, the, uh, the, I do want to ask, we're going to, we're going to dive into a lot of questions quickly. What is your favorite place in the world to travel poker and otherwise? And I'll take some, let's, let's dive into this. So we got a lot of questions on Twitter. I do want to try to get to a lot of those. So let's get going on that. that. Uh, well, I had the most amazing poker trips in Australia and Melbourne. That was always January, like, uh, looking forward and, I, I won a lot there every year, so it kind of helps with the memories. And uh, it's really hard to point out. There's so many nice places where I've been in general. Mexico for holiday. You know, it's it's also like I'm a kind of guy that I I'm 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 happy almost anywhere uh, unless the uh, unless I'm in a place where it's really restricted what I can do. You know if like a lockdown also like like this kind of thing if 
as long as I can do my things, do my sports, play poker, just normal life, uh, I'm I'm happy in everywhere in the world. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to really really say say. Um, Monaco is a nice place to to live. Just has has a base, but yeah, let's put it the Crown Melbourne is this. This is a it's for a lot of players their favorite destination. It's a beautiful place, and also tennis. Obviously, love tennis, and they'd have yeah. that the time they schedule in January the Australian Open. So that's got to be good. I actually have been there twice and don't have a cash and some crazy hands and stuff. I played a, a couple series there, so I, I got to get back, get my flag on the Hendon Mob. There, it is a it's a very cool place. Melbourne, Australia is awesome, and and very good coffee shops and just a nice vibe to the city. So I think that's a, a good choice. Um, okay, yeah. well there is. A lot. So let's uh, let's let's just kind of try to rapid fire some of these because we have a lot of them, and uh, let's just kind of go down the list here. So David Sinkar asks, if you weren't a good poker player, what would you be doing as your thing instead of poker? I always like this. What would you? What? Who are you? Where are you doing today if you didn't play poker? Um, I've been always very interested with with uh, sports and health. So there's a big chance that I would be working in some way of in this kind of field. Um, that would be my first, first, um, first option. I think, um, yeah, I could, I could do anything regarding, I don't know, be, a be, a, be someone who knows, you know, physio, who knows really everything about training, nutrition, work with professional athletes, anything like this, this, this could be, um, this could have been some of the things that I could have ended up without poker, uh, but also, I mean, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. I've been always a very driven person. I've been always uh, just working a lot, studying a lot. Like always, uh, I have a lot of passion to improve. Like I, I start to study languages just because I don't know. It's interesting and it's something to to learn new things. I'm always into learning new things. It's a nice challenge, and there's something interesting about it instead of instead of I, i'm not it's, it's gonna take a lot for me to kind of uh kind of um kind of just settle and and keep doing my my things i have a lot of drive in me yeah no i mean i think that's like again one of the things we can agree on playing poker we're passionate about it we love it and doing something you love is sort of uh you know, really, there's not a lot better than that to be able to do something you enjoy and put time and effort into uh, into that. Uh, we got uh, Ghost of M, Marco, my lead moderator here, asking who you think the best po- best looking poker professional is and why is it Chris Moneymaker? So uh, it's really he just led you. He he chose Moneymaker. How how well do you know Chris Moneymaker? And and do you think he should have that title as the best looking poker player, the best in shape? He's definitely you know he's a lot of people's favorite player. I don't know about model. I don't know if he maybe he's a hand model or something. But Chris, Giving credit of making poker more popular. He he did the dream, American dream, you know. And I know Moneymaker. I played with him a few times. Very nice guy. He was he was on the podcast recently, and we catch up a lot. He's uh, he's definitely a very very fun guy, and actually he's worked pretty hard in his game. He's actually becoming quite a player. Although like what he did was, uh, I think we, I don't know, maybe we're not all here playing poker. If he, if he didn't do what he did in, in 2003, uh, sounds like you had already had the bug though, right? You didn't really come in because of moneymaker you were in, in, in before 2000 even. So you, uh, you, I don't think you can give that to Chris, Chris for, for this. Um, have you been playing poker online? If so, what games you enjoy playing nowadays? Ask Jamie Weidel. Nowadays. Um, 
there's been two type of games nowadays I've been playing. We have actually this Bobby's Room game, mixed games online. We are playing as a private group of players and this is the most transparent private game online that I've ever seen. Everything is like a voting system, who can play, what games we have, all these things. It's really, um, it's, a, it's a nice game, but it's also very, uh, it's all very competitive players. And you can feel when you play that there's like a lot of emotions, even when you play online, but you know, you can feel the emotions flying and the swings are big because the game is big. Uh, you know, it's easy to lose 100,000 in a few hours and so on. So I've been playing this game as a cast game uh, in the last in the last six months, pretty much. And and then it's just these couple tournaments I played then, then and then. The problem with tournaments is that I, you know, it's when you play in Europe and if you make it deep, it's going to sleep at 5, 6 a.m. is, is not... It's not my favorite thing, especially, you know, I don't want to throw my schedule off because of one day playing Sunday tournaments or something and going deep. And, and um, this is the only thing I, I, don't, I don't like about it, but it's the time zone and what you're going to do about it. And yeah, anyway, I'm going to give it a shot. I'll give it a shot when I feel like it. But those are the games for me right now. Right. Makes makes perfect sense. Uh, it's Chad McVean, who always is a, a big proponent of the podcast on lines, asking, looking back at how poker has evolved during your career, is there one particular skill or strategy that you wish you knew earlier to crush even more? What is something you know now that you're like, man, if only I had just had this little trick or, or thing I was doing, what would have been that to, uh, to maybe take your win rate up even much more? I could have managed myself better um, in a way that I thought I was really mentally strong and um, and was always able to play like as good as I can play, even if I was losing big on the sessions. But I would have saved a lot of money if I could have just, you know, call it a day after like few buy-ins. Uh, it's just the fact that you have to overcome in cash games so much. If you're fighting playing when you're losing big and other players are winning. You know, everyone plays better in general when they are winning. A lot of good, they made right decisions, things worked out for them. You got unlucky or you made bad decisions. If you made a couple bad decisions, you're already like on a disadvantage. So this could have saved me a lot of money and a lot of time. And it's like, should understand the game is never going anywhere. You go to sleep, you come back next day. Why you have to fight now? You're already tired today. So this this is the thing would have made a massive difference with the with the results overall. That that's a great point because too like no one really remembers right like if you leave a little early like listen no one likes that guy that like says oh my my wife's calling me there's an emergency and they're up they're up a bunch and they got to go home at two a.m. but like look if you end up playing late or you're not feeling well or even if you're stuck or whatever and you just want to go um, or feel like you should I think that, that that's like the, a superpower those that can cut their losses move on and realize next yeah. game or you know get out of there from you know Phil Locke coined this term that or at least the first I ever heard called up stuck right you're up a lot and then you're only up a little and you want to get back to where you were you know yeah. chasing, like bad that's a that's a great great term and I think we all know that that feeling and it's nothing worse than a guy he's like up, say you're up 200 grand now you're only up 80 grand and you're like moping around like you lot like you're losing 200 uh you know th- everyone knows that guy too and, that's- and and it feels worse to win that 80k that way or be the guy who's done 100k and who just got even and is going home you're more happy than being the guy who just got even and managed to get home without losing but 
I believe you can play, keep playing as long as as long as your opponents keep playing. If you're winning, or if you like, nothing yeah. wrong with that. But obviously, um, yeah, you gotta make the decision. Every decision is different. You just it helps a lot actually on on the table that if if you take a break, you go to a bathroom and you kind of just take that one two minutes like analyzing the situation. Hey, you know how you feeling. Um, how is the game? How your opponents are playing? Like it's hard to make those kind of analyses and those decisions while while you're sitting on a table. It's just harder. It's hard to leave the game in this way. But but you can you can make that call once you step away and then kind of look at the reality check right now. And, and that's, uh, that's absolutely great advice. We got a question from Diego Olo eighty eight who's in the chat right now live. He is saying. Could you please tell us a story of Phil Ivey? Love watching you guys battle and have a friendship on all the high-stakes games. Thank you for the podcast. I mean, two guys, everyone knows in poker, if you know poker yourself, Phil Ivey, guys always seem to have a really nice friendship. What's uh, Give me a story of Phil, maybe a, a sick bet or a golf or something. Give me something with Phil, like maybe no one's heard. Give me, give us something special. There. See, you want to say it. Make, no, I'm thinking, man, I have too many stories. I don't, wanna, I don't know what I want to say. <laughs> Man, I have, I gambled with Phil bigger than with anyone in the world, obviously, because he doesn't shy from gambling away on those situations. But ah, I played golf. I don't know what I, what I could say. Okay, an exciting story could be that I played with Phil golf, a scramble, 300,000 a hole. and uh, 300,000 a hole? Yeah, and we had... Big battles and big swings, and uh, once I was up, <laughs> once we were up two holes, going to the seventeenth hole, uh, I was up four hundred thousand, and and uh, it's a scramble, it's a team game. We were we were three against no, we were two against two, or we were three against two, I think, or three. <laughs> Anyways, I think Phil played with his caddy, I played with my caddy and my friend, and I was really bad. And we were on a green. Putting an eight footer for birdie, they were outside of the green. They completely missed it out. So I was going to go up three holes, being up six hundred k. We all three missed the missed the putt. I don't know. It's like I don't know five percent that we all missed the putt, and they wow. chip it in. <laughs> they no chip it way. in. We lost the last hole. We broke even. That was the most tilting day on golf I've wow. ever had. Wow, break even on 300k a hole. That's a sick sweat. That's pretty even. Was it? What didn't happen to be in Cabo at El Dorado? I've golfed with him there. That's a beautiful, fun course. No shirt, music on, laid back. Where were you in Vegas? No, I got killed on Cabo on that course. That was that was complete robbery from Phil. I, I think I saw and, you uh, there. Have we you there? I, think huh? we, I think we met. Were you there? I think yeah, yeah, I was there yeah, when yeah, you were there. Off with uh, Michael Phelps, your yeah. buddy. How is Michael? He's great, man. He's uh, he's got three kids, three boys, and you know he's. Uh, I talk to him almost every day, and you know we do some fantasy golf and have fun. And yeah, man, it's different. I, I live with them seven years, so it's we used to go to El Dorado all the time. I haven't been the last few years, and I love that place. That's a that is a magical magical place, man. That's a, that's a great one. This place, yeah. Say hi to him. Uh, that was funny. He was. That's when he took the break from swimming, and then he he was just drinking on a golf course and uh, yeah. and. Guys were having a blast, and he goes and wins how many how many gold medals after? 
got 23. I think I mean, he won eight and 08 and then yeah, 23 total. So he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's had a pretty good career. I, that's right. I had pictures. Maybe it was Phil and you, I can't remember. It must, I, I don't even know, but I do remember now that we were out there and, and had in golf one day. So I, I, I'm not good either. I, I try not to remember too much of the, the scores or anything. I don't know who won or lost, but it, golf's a great game. It is, it is a lot of fun. Um, great, it's a great sport to bet on as well. I mean, just to, to, to kind of do fantasy. Uh, what, what is your order of sports? Tennis, your favorite. I think you and Brandon Adams play sometimes. Is that right? Or, or, or have, cause I know he's pretty big in the tennis is, is, uh, is it, wh- where do you rank like your, your favorite sports? You know, I've done like, I could say only the sports that I have that are kind of famous sports that I haven't played or done. It's like American football, basketball, baseball, everything else. I've skied. Even I did competition when I was young, I played football, like soccer, um, I done compact, compact sports, not, not as a competition, but I done boxing, jujitsu. Um, but the most tennis is the closest to my heart. Golf is, is a great sport in the, in the different way. It, I, I like it a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's, I just love sports. I love being active, but let's just say tennis also, you know, I do running yoga. I do a lot of things, uh, um, Tennis is my sport. I follow. I follow the tour a lot. I know a lot of players. I bet a lot on tennis. <laughs> I keep. That seems like a fun one to, to bet on as well. I mean, the swings are crazy, right? You got like the the percentages like forty love, and they come back or you know extra sets. Like I, I've been playing a lot of uh, paddle ball or paddle tennis. I don't know. It's like the one where we, That's yeah. new thing. Yeah, it's, it's fun, really man. It's, yeah, it's so fun, huh? fun i I got courts actually where where i live like right outside so my my brother-in-law and i play a lot and other friends two on two like it's a blast good exercise as well but uh i don't really know how you would compare that to closest to they say it's like tennis and squash i I don't know how to like really calibrate it paddle is really amazing fun and it's you don't you don't have to be so good as you would normally have to be in some other racket sports games on this game important that you have equal players when you play because otherwise the the game can kind of get messed up if one player is weaker and your opponents go there all the time it can it can you just have to have yeah equal equal uh, skill skill players but it can also it can be a great game like physical like once once you're on a good level and good defense like this ball is not dying and I'm going to play tomorrow here. I got excited now. <laughs> it's great. I, I uh, It's very fast growing. Also, pickleball is the fastest growing sport in America. That's pretty popular. I prefer this, I think, to pickleball, but pickleball is a lot of fun too. Um, what is- it, it, it's uh they actually they have it at El Dorado it's like the most they have they built like stadium for it and they built all these courts there it's just like it's like a wiffle ball but uh paddle rackets and it's similar size like the paddle court size but it's a little less like the ball's uh not a tennis ball uh, as much it's more like a wiffle ball and there's no back walls um okay. to get off of so but I know, like yeah this I don't even know yeah. about it it's 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 growing pretty pretty fast um all right let's uh let's keep let's keep rolling here we got a lot guys again 111 dollar ticket at the end we're gonna pick someone to win favorite starting hand in poker give me give me your favorite plo hand i actually think i'm surprised how often people don't know like the plo hand orders obviously aces are the best like but after you get out of there kind of how it all breaks out give me like your favorite when you look down at a hand you're just like i'm playing this i'm three betting it i don't care i'm going nuts and it's not aces I used to have some favorite hands. I don't have any favorite hands now. Is that like a really boring answer? But I would say that the nicest hands to play in general 
if you have like 10 jack king queen double suited or you have like a king king queen queen double suited or you have ace ace 10 jack double suited like those i want some really big pots with that 10 jack king queen double suited or yeah that hand has has been good i mean it's just because back in the days when there's three betting they just have you can three bet with this hand and they have aces against aces it's a great hand and if no aces it covers pretty nicely I love PLO so much. If I, if I told you how much I love PLO, it is, it is to me, it's such a beautiful game. Like I, that's like, that's pretty much what my friends and I play now. Like we, I, I honestly don't know how to play. I haven't played no limit hold'em cash in so long. I've done tournaments, right? Like uh, from streaming and online, but PLO live to me is the most fun. Like I'll play, played some pretty good, good sized games. And, and it's just, it's just pure. It's so beautiful. Like it's just, it's so much more fun. I think than then hold them. And, and I'm a little surprised PLO hasn't fully taken over live. Like it, it, it remember that there's a period of time where I guess in, in Scandinavian in Helsinki, Scandinavian countries, like it's much more popular, I believe. Right. And the casinos yeah. and places, but like in us, I thought it was going to kind of take it over and then it just sort of didn't happen. And I don't know, it's sort of in and out, but what, uh, What's your thoughts on that? Are you a little surprised that PLO hasn't just like yeah, fully it's, taken over? It's, it's really kind of weird how it is because America, you guys are number one in poker in every way. What comes to culture of poker, you mastered it. You have it. It's part of your culture. You have the poker rooms like living rooms. You have, you know, you go there, you watch sports, you can order food, like you can wear shorts and T-shirt and Europe is not not even close there regarding regarding the poker rooms. In this way, it's it's really comfortably done in, in USA in every way. But but we had the PLO since 2000, number one cash game by a mile. Like it's like who plays no limit Holland cash? Like we played PLO since then all over the Europe, and it's just a better cash game in a, in in many ways because you can play more hands. Even if you want to play optimal, you can play more hands. There's you don't have to. Uh, you can relax more pre-flop. Like you don't have to like look at all these tails of because the hand plays hand raises play so close. Like hold them, you have to pay attention pre-flop. Pre-flop kind of like how strong. Okay, he three bet, and you, it's more relaxing to play PLO. And it's right. it's like the, your key word flop. You get to a flop, and it's now yeah. the game. You pre-flop, it's not the end of the world. Like all right, yeah, I'm a little loose here or whatever, but I'm gonna see a flop and might be able to make some good decisions. Hopefully, so I, I agree. I just think it's like, and if the skill gap, the hand ranges, it's all yeah, it's all just kind of a little more makes sense. And people like to gamble more with it. Uh, I think it's just a it's just a better it's a better game. I have to say, my, my at this point, what do you think about tournaments in PLO? What about the Annie? Party poker started to do a bit. I've seen a little of it. Like it seems like the PLO live, the World Series had great results. So the twenty five k to ten k, that seems to be like a very popular tournament now. Is people playing that? Well, what's your thoughts on PLO and tournaments? Yeah, I like it, but I did not like it at some point. I was thinking that Hold'em has all the. It's a perfect game for tournament poker because you can go all in and as a tournament strategy. Because PLO, there's a couple things different. Like PLO under the. When it's a bubble, bubble time and you're chip lead and, and you know, it brings a lot of different kind of issues because you, you can't go all in and protect your hand in this way. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough one, right? It, it, it brings different strategies to play. And I made some few, few mistakes in, in some PLO tournaments with the, under the bubble, um, gambling too much in a way, uh, in a way. 
Um, but yes, it's a it's a great it it's a great game. I think it's uh, more PL autonomous, please. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, I used to think that it's more more luck and you play more shallow, but it's 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 good. But it's surprising. I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but for example, in China, in Macau, they haven't discovered PLO and it, it got introduced there, but they just don't want to play it. They want to stick with Hold'em and I don't know why. Yeah, it's interesting. And now, well, I mean, you got Short Deck, right? The, 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 yeah. That, yeah. A, what's your thoughts on Short Deck? Because like, I go back and forth where I'll see it. I did a lot of Triton commentary. Actually, a hand that people have been referencing already on this podcast was that Charlie Carell I think you made a great call. I forget. I might have been calling the action on that now that I think about it, but um, that was a cool hand. And, and, and Triton, yeah, they don't really do PLO. It's like short deck or hold them, which is a little kind of disappointing. Maybe they could throw an Annie in or figure out a way to make it a little faster or, or better. But I think uh, to your point, I wanted to understand. Yeah. Short, to- short deck, I just – I have nothing against the game. I just never, never like started to play it. I didn't put any time – Mm, no, I didn't play those those days, those years when the game got created in in Macau. I didn't, I didn't play there, and it's that's probably my worst poker game. <laughs> but I didn't like the fact how they were playing. At least then they were playing this cash game very shallow. That's and then you taking even money off the table that you play. You don't play deep stack. And for me, my best skill has always been cash games deep stack. Deep stack, deep stack cash game is like to me the the Cadillac of poker. Uh, it's just it's the most exploitative strategy game. You know, once you go more than two, like three hundred big blind deep, and you can you can give it. Um, you can create more more strategies to make some really sick bluffs and, and put a lot of pressure out of position and, and so on, if you know what I mean. This, it's a it's, uh, it's much different game. Uh, it's great we have so many different kind of poker. We have these short deck game, short stack games where it's really all about mathematics, what you shop and so on. And, and then we have completely different kind of poker where, where you can do a lot of things and... Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it is. It's, it is fun. It's fun that there's different variations. Even like five card, I played a little bit. I know there's six card, which just sounds absolutely insane. But actually, initially, I thought five card was just like a luck, like oh, like this is just like pure luck. But actually, there's maybe more right creativity to bluff or combinations and understanding. So I don't know. Sometimes like what you think initially about a game may not be true, or it may actually be harder, more intricate. Even uh, do you, what, what's your thoughts on five and six card PLO? Yeah, six card I don't like. I think it's it's an action killer in a way uh, because it's harder to bluff and harder harder to play more hands. Um, so I always like the games that you can you know you can find more more ways strategies to win the pot without having having the winning hand. And I think this is the most skillful part of poker. I don't think I don't see much difference with four card and five card. I think five card could be a little bit more action. Um, skill wise, I can't say I played more four cards, obviously, because five card is more new. But I think, you know, I haven't really studied the five cards that much, but I understand the meaning of hand values and the blockers and all these things, starting hand values and mm-hmm. both great games. Good for poker. Right. Could definitely six, agree that. Uh, six card. I'm not a fan of. 
I'm with you. I'm same, same thought on that. I haven't played much five either, but I, I thought it was okay when I played it. Uh, when you bluff, how do you feel? Is there an emotion uh, when you actually are bluffing? Do you, cause like, it's nice to have the nuts and be betting and getting value and knowing you can't lose, especially on the river. Like when it's like, all right, you know, a pot's big and the guy's going to basically have to make a decision likely call. But when you're actually bluffing, how do you describe that feeling of air and knowing that like, wow, like I am not going to win if I get called and, and you know, your way of being could help or make, you know, thinking about a hand critically. What, 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 how would you describe that feeling? Because I mean, bluffing's one thing, but bluffing for hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, you know, it's pretty crazy. And you've been in that situation many times. So, how, how could you describe that to those out there that maybe have never, you know, I've never bluffed for a million dollars or 500. Like I haven't been in a cash pot that big and definitely not been in a big cash pot, you know, and not had it. And and, and for like the biggest pot of my life, I'm going to have it. So yeah. Tell me how that feels. Bluffing is uncomfortable, man. <laughs> it's uncomfortable, but it's, uh, no, it's some, some days you feel more confident and more comfortable uh, even with me some days, uh, I can feel the tension in my body more. I can e- even feel that my pulse is averagely a bit higher in the, in the bigger parts. Um, it, it's, in, it's interesting because, um, yeah, you have to pick like the perfect amount, what to bet, you know, what to res- re- uh, represent ex- exactly against that player in this situation. And, uh, and, um, yeah, you, you, the way to do it that you need to get out of your comfort zone. You have to start from somewhere. Nobody is a natural from the very beginning to pull out good big blobs. And, and it's all about executing it when it's, when it's the right timing. And obviously the best players, they don't get caught bluffing. They, they pick the spots really carefully and they might get caught a lot in small parts because it, it's not so important when you, when you get caught there, but the bigger parts, uh, it's a lot of psychology also. So, so, um, but it's, it's something that, you know, what I could say, I could say that, um, um, you can practice it in the way and, and don't start it going that you pick the, the best player on the table and you, you bluff him. Like if you want to get out of your comfort zone, pick the old guy who's can barely see the board and, doesn't look at you, your pulse and your eyes, like start yeah. from there and have bluff. the nut blocker, have the best possible bluff <laughs> candidate. Yeah. Work your way down the, the ladder instead it, of the, you know, yeah. It's not scary to bluff, you know, a person like this. And, uh, but you gotta like, I guess little, little by little kind of get used to it. I believe you can get used to anything and you get out of your comfort zone and, and, um, you go from there. Absolutely. I love, I love that answer. What was the hand of your most memorable win? What's the biggest, maybe memorable win or tournament? What, what's the hand that you just like, man, if you're ever having a bad day, you could pull that up and get you, get you feeling good. Uh, hmm. I have few. I, I won $2.4 million pot in, in Vegas. I, I broke the whole table in PLO, run it twice. Um, that's the biggest part I've ever won in, in Vegas. Um, yeah, details. that details. What do you mean you broke like it was like, it became a tournament where you just got all the chips and like everyone, everyone was like, no more, no more. We'll see you tomorrow. What happened? What was the hand? That's a big pot. I can tell the hand, um, uh, very quickly. Um, it was four handed game, 1000, 2000 PLO. I straddled for 4,000 
So now David Benjamin <laughs> races from the bottom, 15,000. Small blind calls, big blind calls. I have ace, queen, jack, five, double suited. Mm, nice. I raise it. I raise it to 60K because I was young and fearless. <laughs> Everybody calls. We got 240K in pre-flop. And we, there's not obviously so much money. One guy has 900K. One guy has 300. And I don't know what the other guy has. But flop came 4, 9, 10. 4, 9, 10 with two hearts. And I have ace, queen, jack, five. I have a queen high flush draw. So it's not a great flop for me. But the small blind goes all in for his 200K or something. I cannot remember. Something like that. 200, 300. Big blind all in for 900K. And now I have to really do some calculations. Like I, I, wow. I thought about it for a while just because I was, you, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm drawing for the nuts trade, but queen high flush, it's a multi-way path. I don't think my queen high flush is most likely going to be good. I have a backdoor nut flush draw. Oh, that's nice. So the other card did connect with that. Yeah. So that has a couple of ticks. Okay. I thought about it for a while. Okay. Anyways, I go all in. I have I have everyone covered. And the button even puts his last money in. Wow. You're pretty shallow after that three bets. I I only can tell the button doesn't show his hand. He didn't win it. We run it twice. I saw the small blind hand and the big blind hand. I was against. It was really good, the hands I was against. The small blind had a king high flush draw. He had some type of hand like king jack 10, 7, double suited. He had a king high flush draw, god shot, something. Hmm. Big blind had nothing else than the not flush draw. He had like ace to ace something. Uh, wow, so they all had a card, all the hearts were out. Yeah, there was very few hearts, just few hearts left. And... Uh, Anyways, the boards ran very interesting. Uh, actually, nobody opened their hands before the cards came out. Nobody opened their cards. So it was really kind yeah. of yeah. intense. So the boards run. It comes, the first board comes nine pairs the board and ace on the river. Yeah. So I don't like that. <laughs> the second board comes, um, comes, a, comes a nine again. Pairs the board. It is a spade, nine of spades this time. I get a spade yeah, draw. Spade draw. And a river spade. So I made what the board's paired. I made the not back draw, not flushed, not flushed. So obviously, you don't, you don't think you're probably good with that action. Someone's got a set, uh, probably, and and or I mean, it's four handed though. I don't know. Yeah, it's close, but it, not you don't love it. Some, I had some hope. At least I'm I'm looking for this big side putt with the guy who had nine hundred thousand. Right. right. Uh, that he, I hope he doesn't have because I can that, that was a big deal for me against him and he was kind of the way he put his money in it didn't look like it didn't look like a big hand I don't know it was it was if he can something like you know he was kind of didn't, didn't put him on a set or something and right so yeah nobody had two perros they set on the flop and I win the first board with just ace queen I make Aces and nines with queen quicker. That's good on the first board, and then the nut flush is good on the second. Wow. Uh, wow. wow, sick. That, that the game stopped? No one wanted to reload. At that point, you had too big a separation. They weren't ready to, to load up for a couple of mil. That was um, you know, I wanted to quit. I don't know why I didn't quit. Uh, then I 
I lent some money out for two players. We played a little bit. I lose 200K back, 200, 300K back, and then I quit. And I should have quit because I was just, I was very, I don't like the feeling. I was satisfied. I was, I was like too satisfied of the day that I was having a, I broke everyone. I'm having a big day. I had no this kind of hunger of grinding after that. And, and it showed in my, but, my game and the results. And But we didn't play too long. We probably played like one or two hours after done. But tell, tell me etiquette in that spot. So like, obviously you don't have to give someone at the table money, even though if they're close friends of yours for whatever, right? That's very common, especially guys, regulars or people you're not worried about paying back. So you could have mm-hmm. not done that, but like it wouldn't have been right to just like, leave if guys rebought right you wouldn't just leave after winning that so what what could you have done differently just not giving the money if they didn't have it on them yeah of course i don't have to give uh yeah, this one guy, sure. this one guy two two guys of them already owed me some money actually but uh it was like they were good then for the money but uh it's long time ago this this was before black friday before sorry yeah, a lot of men. The, the poker world, like, I feel like there could be, like, some sort of – I've talked to Jungle Man about this. Uh, what, a, what a great guy. He's just such a character, Jungle Man. But, like, talking about, like, a like a, like a, uh, like a accountability, like a trust, like some sort of, like, board where, like, people should post, like, who – like, because it's crazy the amount of stuff. Like, I've been – I'm sure you've seen it all. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff, cheated games, this stuff people who owe money that play in another game in the same city or another thing. So like, there seems like there should be a better way to kind of expect, like maybe flop could address yeah. this, like, a, like apply for like people that owe money, get it verified. You could give the person a chance to like, yes, yes. Themselves and make a plan, but like th- there just feels like there should be some form of accountability in this area. I've had this talk with jungle man a few times already. And, and we both came with the same similar idea before. I didn't know that he had that idea, but he had it like really his wants yeah. to make, but it is true that once some of, some of the poker players, once they get in financial, you know, bad situations, it's amazing how much they end up doing damage of getting money credits to play there and there. And then, then, uh, then we find out and we all pay the price, but there's a lot of things like it's, it will bring, if he could manage to do this, like what you just explained, like, so it would be a platform where anyone can post of someone owing them money or not honoring the debt when it was supposed to honor and so on, but it has to be some way properly verified. Right. You know, you will be, I just thought of this in my head. I'm just kind of sorry to interrupt you. I agree with that. Like it could almost have like a, uh, if you imagine you have a point of board, jungle man, yourself, me, whoever, whatever, it doesn't matter. Say you get like 10 guys or so they're willing volunteer come in. Imagine you had a process, right? Where like anything doesn't get put publicly for like one month or two months. Like that. So no matter what, if someone stiffs you or F's you, or it's like they're overdue, it could get like brought like an appeal then it could be like there could be a uh, a part a uh, like a uh, what's it like a period of time where that there like needs to be acknowledged right like where the two could talk and the person gets a chance to say that's true or not and then there's like some sort of system in place it would probably lead to people making deals arrangements and getting paid back quicker and also it would probably lead to much less of this happening if people knew there was like a way that they would publicly and and incredibly be discredited uh, so. Exactly. You're going to think twice when you go to play that private game and they're going to give you that 100 or 200K credit. And if you don't pay it, if you lose and you don't pay it when you're supposed to pay it, you know it's going to be 
on everyone's everyone you know it's going to be on this platform and your everyone is going to be able to see it so i think it's going to it would it would solve a lot of it would help it would solve a lot of issues in this way but i mean i got i got myself in many situations many many of the situations that i thought the person had a really good financial situation and that turned out not to be the case and nobody the problem is that none of us wants to go out and talk about it because we want to get paid we want to try to solve it in the in the nice way right and and that's where the that's where the problem problems come and uh but see that's the whole problem it needs to be like a point because you're it's like it should almost be i have a couple ideas on this but uh but it would almost need to be like a brand new thing, right? Like starting now. And then there could be like a past debts and like a, like a ranking system or credit, like at a certain, you know, I don't know. Cause like that, you're right. That's the problem. Like it, it's more about the future though, about like stopping it to happen, moving yeah. forward. That's but the big thing I think. But this could be a database where everyone exists and you can see that whenever there was anything uh, written, it exists there. And also like, let's just say that, I have owed you, I don't know, whatever it is. I have owed you 50K and I haven't paid and it's there. You know, I was late and I didn't, you know, I did this to you. I don't know. I lied, who, whatever. And I didn't pay. But then once I paid it, who knows, a year later, it will be uh, taking off. That it's, it's a I, it's a I have, Yeah. yeah. It's so, some people think like that too. They're like, I'm already uh, like messed up. Why would I pay now? Because my name's ruined. Yeah, yeah, so then it's resolved, but but it's it could be really like you can see also like yeah you can have ratings you just type the name in and you see the profile and whatever is there but it would be really credit score Patrick that's what it is it's a poker credit score and and it can move up and down and it can be you know people can be forgiven and people can be exposed I I don't know there's something there now the other side of that is like yourself. Jungle Man, myself, we're busy. We got stuff going on. Maybe it's not for us. Maybe we could be on the board. Maybe we could help. Maybe there's someone bigger, better that could like, whatever. I don't know. There is some problems I see with that happening. But uh, at the same time, I think it would do more good than not. I just don't know how um, it would be done and who would want to take the lead on it. But it's uh, it's definitely an interesting concept that maybe similar to Flop addresses a major issue uh, in the in the community that could be come with technology blockchain right it's like uh, like you said it's like a ledger there's just like a it's there it happened there's a tra- it did happen and now it maybe got made right but there was a you know it happened i don't know there's probably all kinds of legal things or situations or how it would have to be done and why but um i do think there's something there i think we're smart enough to figure it out in some kind of way to work um should be should be able to um all right yeah. well, well we'll revisit that maybe we'll sit down in vegas in the during the world series and have a meeting with me me you several others who want to maybe yeah, we could we could we could we could you know we could figure something out there even if it was done like uh there could be some pretty cool things about that so that that's a good idea let's uh let's revisit that maybe maybe it's on the flop database with similar technology that they, they could have a way to, to do it so We'll uh, we'll think about that more. All right, let's just take a few more. We've already been going two hours twenty. This is what I'm talking about, Pat. We I can go forever. I got a dinner actually, and I know you're. It's late. You're over there. You got stuff going on. Let's let's take a few more. We could always have part two of the podcast. I like that idea too. I don't want to blow. You know, we don't have to go for five hours. Let's just let's just knock a few a few other nice questions out, uh, and then go with Russian. We got we got international questions. I don't speak. I believe that's Russian. So I'm not going to be able to sort that out. 
Uh, to, I started to study Russian a few years ago, so I can read a little bit. Oh, wow. Can you get but there? But I know you scrolled. Sorry, there we go. Um, it's nice to see you play. Okay. Uh, how do you become a professional uh, uh, Are you really ka- reading Russian right now? You know how to как пути прожил, чтобы этого сива добиться? I don't understand. You know, my I'm I'm a bit rusty, but I I started to study Russian out of kind of interest because I have I have some Russian people I know in Monaco, and I I did couple trips with them and hang out, and I wanted to understand a little bit more. What they talk. Well, that's about. impressive that you can even get anything I going on that. I, I don't understand this one word on that. Um, I, all right. Well, fair enough. I appreciate the question. We can we could probably Google Translate letter. We'll, we'll take some other ones. I do see this one. I don't even. I almost. This uh, hand is one of the more re- memorable ones. Patrick really wants to get this Russian question answered. He's in there. He's he's getting close and personal on this, trying to get this one sorted out. Now you took it out. Oh. Sorry, I'm, we're gonna. I'm, it sorry. doesn't. It doesn't matter because I to be. No, I'm not gonna answer that because I don't. I'm not sure if it's a, if I understand. I, I got I got a question in the live chat here about this hand, and I Jennifer Tilly is one of my favorite people. She's just amazing. Uh, All love for her. You already know where I'm going with this. This <laughs> hand on live TV. I got to ask you because it was like it's one of our memorable hands. Like I just remember poker where she checked back. House because she thought you had King's Fall. What are your thoughts on that hand? You and the I think Phil Ivy's face was the funny part. Like everything yeah. in the wild. What are your thoughts on that? And, and JT, how do you not? Everyone's got to love JT. She's just infectious, a great person. Man, that's well. Thanks, Jennifer. She she made me a bit more famous with that with that hand. That's just another lot of views that hand. But yeah, it's amazing. Uh, what can happen sometimes i don't know sometimes we just um do a brain cramp or something yeah yeah and i, and I think that kind of goes to the like on tv i've had this happen sometimes on twitch where i'll make like an overly tight check back or a hero fold or like almost trying to do something like uniquely gene like something that's so wild that if you're right would be like wow like imagine you did have that hand she would just be like at the same token it can work in the yeah. reverse, right? So I, I know I think it could be a little I bit. Have, I have to ask you a question, actually, because um, you know, I've been I've been planning on starting to do a little bit streaming. I'm just um, I think people would find it interesting, and it's something that that uh, I could enjoy also. It's like you know, just just to uh, just to share how how I'm playing, doing this and that. Yeah. Um, can you know, I go, I go like all of us, we go really deep in, with our instincts and feelings. Like sometimes you, you take this superhuman uh, sense instinct that, you know, this guy's bluffing, there's something wrong with here. You don't like, you just analyzing the hands. Somehow it just pops some memory from back in the, from long time ago that this guy bluffed you there or something that you're going to call here. There's something wrong, but I don't know if you can get so deep in your thoughts in the stream because you're kind of, being a, a some kind of entertainer or you I can see that I I would feel that I I would not never get in a zone doing streaming unless I completely stop talking right it's hard to talk and 
get into this. There's a weird, there's something weird about this tuning in to be in the zone, you know, <laughs> hard yeah. to explain. Uh, I, well, I'll say this playing multiple tables and streaming is close to impossible. I, I actually, big regret I have in my career is doing like six, 10, 12 tables sometimes because I feel like I'm not at my best at the table. And I'm also like, not, I'm missing so much. Like it's, I'm embarrassed if I miss someone subscribing or whatever. It's Jason Somerville, he used to play one table and stream and he crushed it. And I think that's probably the way to go. But it's also yeah. like, how do you play a Sunday and skip like, you know, how are you playing one table, for example, on a Sunday or during the scoop or, or party poker WPT? So I don't know. I always had trouble with that, like to, to kind of balance that. And I couldn't really ever feel like I get it right. When I play one or two tables, I seem to do much better. My results were better. My streams were better. But I just like, I don't know. It's like a, a tricky one. And uh, yeah, sorry, of course, yeah, of course you're going to play better and have better results on these two tournaments if you only play two, at least for me, because you can watch all the players and you get Right. I don't know. For me, I get sometimes if there's four tables and I have to do two tough decisions at the same time, it's already like sometimes it's overwhelming and then stuff spirals a bit or you lose or you lose a flip and it's just chaotic. And, you know, it's different tournaments too. You're playing a six max PLO and eight max vanilla, a rebuy. You like, it's just, it's just like, can be, can be wild. what do you do if you play just one table? It can be slow and boring, right? But that's so, the thing about Twitch. You got all the, you know, you're going to, Patrick, if you stream Twitch, you would break, like I, people all right now are in the chat. They're like, oh, dude, please instant follow, blah, blah. Like you would be one of those guys. I think there's very few that can just would be able to sign up for Twitch and instantly have a massive following and, and people would tune in to watch and whatever. Um, but at the same time, if you're asking me like to stream, do I recommend or how would I do it? I don't know if it's for you. Like it could be cool to have and like have it like your main setup and do it once in a while. But like it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. You got it's just it's not as easy as like, oh, like flick it on and go live. Like you got to get graphics overlay, you know, OBS. You got to learn all these things. And, and, and so I think it would be like something that if you said I'm going to try to do it for a while, like it, you could you could do it. I just don't know if it's worth it if you're only going to do it twice a year. But if you were like, I'm going to do it so-and-so or during quarantine, you know, like maybe with COVID, maybe you would do it more. I don't know. Or, or coming up. I don't know. No, I would definitely do it like more often if I do. But also like I want to enjoy doing it. I, I you know, yeah. I, it's it's something I don't think anyone will enjoy it if I don't enjoy it. It's, it's something like I want to be myself. I think people would get to know me much better because of my personality. I'm going to talk about all kind of bullshit and uh, yeah. Um, but what I was going to say and ask, but yeah, you want to also tournaments, of course, you want to play a lot of tables because it, it's, it's exciting if you go deep, right? If you pick four starting, you're going to go deep in one of them, maybe. or right. something. Like that. that's, that's the other part of the format. I think that's like underlying, like the underlying reason was like, all right, well, if I play 12 or eight at a time or something, you know, one of those are going to go really well, but oftentimes like, you could just focus on two, your buy-ins are down, your focus is up, you're not missing the chat, you're dialed in. But of course, you could play great and do that and, and you know, get cooler to make a bad call or get whatever, lose a flip and you're out. So it's kind of like, it's just tricky, but um, I don't know. Inter it's interesting. But uh, yeah, man, I, I think everyone would, would love to see you stream. And uh, even if you just learned, like had it set up, so if you wanted to do it, um, it's over, it's a bit, it's a bit, I've had a lot of people say to me, Hey, send me your blueprint for streaming. I have it ready. I could send you that anyway. See what you need, the equipment, whether it's a travel setup or a live, get the right camera, get the right microphone, all this stuff. And then, you know, have it ready if you do want to do it. But um, it's just, uh, 
one of those things. Like it's just, uh, it's a lot of like little annoying stuff to get going. But once you go, it's good. I've been playing with this idea, but right now I'm in Dubai and I need to get to the States um, before July, before June. I might be in Dubai another four weeks, three weeks. It's hard to say depending how it goes. So, yeah, but once I, I was planning that when I get home, I'm going to look into this, look into this and um, yeah, we'll see. We can, we'll see. we can definitely chat. Happy to give any like, you know, tips and, and just like anything, there's a lot of stuff I would do differently or that I've learned uh, over the years. And my, and for me personally, I think it would be similar to you. It's like a lot of it's traveling. I've had so many times I've been in like different parts of the world where the internet doesn't work or I'm in there. It's, it's just frustrating when you have a setup, and you can do it from your house and the internet's right. And the, the chair's comfortable and you got everything. But when you're on the road, like I, I, I sympathize so much with people that can't stream uh, what they want to play in the country or place they are. Cause like taking on the road, it's, it's a lot of work. It's like, I've had, I've had my luggage lost. I've had to like stream in bathrobes, you know, do crazy, like crazy. Yeah, stuff. And I've, I've had some really wild uh, journeys over like a few years of doing it. And also it's a time thing, right? Like for where you are in your life. And like, you're not a guy who's going to stream eight hours a day. Now you have a family, yeah. you have other stuff. You're just not going to like grind and stream for 10, like two weeks straight. Probably. I'm not that. Good, but Yeah. See, I don't mind trying new things. <laughs> it's fun, man. You, you would enjoy it. I, real quick on this question, the, the Russian who said, this, this guy, RSN wasted in the chat said, I'm Russian. It said, how do you, how did you become professional and uh, what did it take to accomplish? And this is kind of a big picture, like question. We kind of covered a lot of this, but give me like a real quick, uh, how did you become a professional poker player? Just in a quick summary. I just started to win with, against my friends in the home game. Then I went to the casino, won the tournament, um, realized that there's some money that I can win in the casino. I put some money online. I played more and basically the money was motivating me. And then, uh, yeah, then you can, then I realized the potential that, you know, I can beat these players and, and that's the rest is just uh, there. It was not planned. It was, it was just something, I mean, I absolutely loved to play. Like actually the, the memories of me being a junior tennis player. And we, once we didn't have like a, tennis tournaments or leagues in the weekends and we got like Friday or Saturday together to play a card game. We watch some soccer on TV and beers, pizza and, you know, normal setup and, and play, play against each other's poker. Those were the most fun days. Like, so, so excited. Like, you know, yeah, we can play poker all day, all night. And, and I, you know, I believe that it's impossible to, to become a great poker player without loving the game. If you just come in with the mindset that I'm going to make money from this game, this is my business, uh, this is going to limit your, you know, your motivation, your mindset of, of um, I think you have to find the passion and love, love for it. Uh, that's the key um, in, in a way, but it's not. Very yeah. It's great. Me, very, very naturally, not planned. Um, and fast, quickly. Very, very, very true and cool. Let's take one more here. Uh, this this hand I wanted to to, to talk about because I got. I think I asked you the thoughts on the Triton King Six versus Charlie Brilliant. Call been watching this legend for four, far over a decade now. G five three four Fred. What about that hand in particular? I think I like asked it in a combination of things, and I do that sometimes. I get excited and go into a tangent. But uh, what about that specific hand? That seems to be one people remember. People have been talking about what specifically stood out for you in that hand, and and how are you able to make that? Uh, that call in that spot. 
Yeah, isn't it amazing? Like to me, there's nothing really special about this. It's just the right call on a river. Um, and the action was pretty simple. Raise pre-flop call, bet on the flop call, turn check, check. At the end of the day, when the guys, when your opponent is betting on the river, the decision is, is he bluffing or not? And you go through the hand and you go through the ranges and you go through some history and, you know, the top bottom pair six is pretty much the same thing. Okay, Charlie can make the same play with middle pair, good kicker there in, in these situations. But Charlie Carroll is a very, very good player. And, and, um, and, but I had a history with him that he's been very aggressive, especially on positions where he, have, he has more chips than I have in the key situations in tournaments. I've seen him put a lot of pressure on, on other players. I also played some private games with him few times some cash games I got to know him a bit better so it was just a, basically a little bit of our history and then there was some kind of live read regarding I didn't think he was strong I cannot explain exactly why but I, that's what I felt and I made yeah. the call it was just a tough call because we were close to the money it was for my tournament life that's what made it like a tougher decision I think in general for sure. Uh, actually, I say I say last one. I see a couple more. I, I want to know about st- solvers. Have you studied recently with solvers? You mentioned early on you were just kind of feel there wasn't a lot of information anyway. What about nowadays? We, you, you see flop. There is some stuff there. GTO site material. How, how how much work and studying are you doing? Whether it's talking with some of the the, the the other top players in the game or doing any type of PO solver, any other solver work. What's your study look like these days? I've been playing with these tools quite a bit. With some PLO, it's very valuable to look at some starting hands, EV values on PLO for me. I use it. I, I use these tools very differently than others. I think I'm I'm less technical than other players. Um, I also think that this this GTO is really valuable, but it can lead to also hurting in the worst case hurting in your game. If you're trying to play the, with the GTO strategy, and you're not applying you're applying it against wrong wrong type of players you can you can go wrong big time in with your decision making there's so many situations because it's it's only against players who play optimally like gto strategy it's a, it's a very good fundamental strategy but poker you know poker is just you must play the player. You must use exploitative strategies when you can. Okay, the best players won't give you much because they're playing really strong GTO and you cannot exploit them much, much. But how I see that poker is pretty complex um, um, game and and I don't know many players who can, um, who can play the later streaks with very much optimal strategies and and i would say that this you can just completely forget about it you can take guidelines from this but it's very useful these gta tools to use for mtts especially like big part of no limit hold'em is pre-flop pre-flop play and i think this is where the biggest improvement has been done with online tournaments and tournament poker playing with 10 15 20 25 30 big blinds 40 big blinds how do you do pre-flop and then you can go, obviously, a lot of different flop situations. Uh, but don't lose your natural way of approaching poker and thinking. And you got to adjust based on every player. You have to use your brain. Like, thinking is allowed. 
don't play like a computer. You're going to lose your feel. You can make bad decisions. If you go this way, you, you're not going to do well, I would say. You mm, don't lose this kind of skill. Take every situation as a separate situation, what's happening right now at this moment against this player. But use the GTO as a, as a good guideline, as a base, base of your, your fundamentals of poker. Fundamentals must be good because you cannot overcome the fact either that you're playing, you're playing uh, too weak of a hands from the positions that your opponents are going to have better hands and you cannot just overcome the fact that you have 30% against 70% out of position, all these situations and, you know, so use it as, as this of building a good fundamental strategy and then you add all the other information what you can you can you can take in and you start making I want to ask you, I want to ask you this question. Let's say you take yourself and you come into like a private home game like a game or so like a really good game. How I mean where's the calibration on getting away with let's just say you're potting queen king suited 5 6 off like mid position for like, you know, say it's a 100, 200 game, 400 straddle, you make it, you know, 3K pre or you're repotting an open, right? And you're in your, can you overcome this against like competent players of some degree or like how big of a problem is it? Like imagine you're just great post flop. Is it, is it, how big a deal is it? Cause some people can look flashy, but play great and they're doing like just absolutely stuff that's wrong. But can you get away with that in PLO and, and then post flop make adjustments? Or is it just something that you really can't overcome playing such bad hands and positions against like so so players? The king, queen, five, six? Queen, king suited of heart. Yeah, queen, king, five, six off. Queen, king of hearts, five, six off. All, all rainbow. What? No, no, queen, king of hearts. But. Okay. Well, now comes the other part of to play that the stack sizes, right? So. Maybe there's a recreational player that you have a position on a big blind with deeper stack and he, he's likely to make a mistake later on the hand against you and you can take this into calculations. There's a lot of, right. there's just so many factors, right, right that goes to, goes to this. Uh, right, you'd, you'd be yeah. welcome in that action, even if somebody thinks good. If they're coming in, they're going to be at a pretty big disadvantage if they're coming in playing these type of and obviously, if uh, if if your opponents, uh, it depends on the table. Like like like, but if you have players on behind you from the position, they know what to do. They know if they know you're playing too many hands, and they're gonna start three betting and and you know, uh, like narrowing the field that you're gonna play this part out of position against him. Then you have you cannot overcome overall. Overall, it's minus EV. But there's many tables that the players are not going to do that. And if they start just calling and and uh, there's just too many factors right. important that yes. it's like, That's right. it's like always this. This is the interesting thing. But yeah, that was that was we done with that. Hand, no, okay. <laughs> you can, can. It's possible. <laughs> it's, Fair enough. That makes uh, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and I, I think it's uh, yeah. I mean, we you welcome kind of action like that. Well, I want to uh, I do want to give this giveaway, so we are going to take this. We're going to copy the link, and again, we can always have a part two. I hear my son also. He's right. I he's he's yelling. He's getting anxious. This is his uh, golden hour here. I uh, I do want to I do want to go ahead and oh well, look at this. My giveaway thing that I usually do. That's what happens, Patrick. I haven't been streaming for a bit. I haven't been on. I can't. Uh, I don't have my, my giveaway tool working, but we are going to give a $111 ticket. I may even just do a blind and tell you to close your eyes 
how about let's do it that way since this looks like this tool is is uh let me try it real quick and see if this works if not we may just have to tell you to 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 go ahead oh actually looks like it's gonna work um 111 ticket patrick you never know that could turn into a nice a nice day so let's uh let's see if this is gonna work and oh, okay i have a credit download retweets this is the kind of thing you need patrick if you're gonna stream you need tools you need giveaway stuff you need this this is like you know this is serious stuff man you can't just hop on there and be blind we're gonna have to go over it so all right look at this we've got uh i'm a oh, giver you exactly you want to have this stuff honestly it doesn't look like this worked right because they're saying there's two people i think this is uh, i'm gonna have to i'm rusty guys i'm rusty on i haven't streamed for two weeks i haven't done a podcast let me do it this way how about this we're gonna go old school we're gonna just forget technology we're gonna just gonna go like this you tell me i'm just gonna go like this you tell me when and when i say i'm just gonna go up i'm gonna go down you say the word when whoever it lands on they're gonna win the 111 we're gonna do it that way no bam there you go from TYP Turban, he's gonna win it. His question: Let's answer, let's finish the podcast with this. How many? What percent of your life do you spend playing poker? That's my man's question. He's gonna get a, a hundred eleven dollar ticket. Um, percent of my life. Wow, that's a big percent um, of my life. Take out sleeping, I guess, of your free time, your waking time. Have I spent or or I? What was the question? Have I spent or? Let me see. I think it was what percent of your life do you... Oh, this guy's an active guy. I can't even find his tweet. This was from yesterday. Let me see. Here it is. Uh, his question. Mm, oh, no. He retweeted it. Shoot. I, I, I think it was... Oh, here we go. How many... What percent of your life do you spend playing poker? Ah, oh, well, my childhood. We can cut that off. Huh? Since I started to play, we can yeah, do... 19 on. Helsinki Casino on. Yeah, let's just say since 1998, last 24 years, let's just say, let's just say 25%. 25%. There's always a 25% chance that I'm playing poker. Wow. That's <laughs> uh, more, but it used to be. It used to be 50-50. <laughs> Sleep <that's> over. Uh, <laughs> that's a healthy... That's very, very healthy. All right, well, guys, listen, I want to, I want to thank Patrick. I want to, again, say that we will be, I want to show again his, uh, you got the flop app. Make sure you download that. That's a, I guess it's on Apple and on, I use it on my iPhone. I have it. So you can use this on the Google play or iTunes. It's available on both platforms. We have, we have it all, all the devices, Android, I, iPhone, everything. And everything is for free. That's what only thing what we do is we give, give. I'm a big giver, but first line of poker is bigger. And, um, and then stay tuned because we're going to, have new things all the time. We will never stop developing. And the goal is the ultimate goal is really to make a big difference in poker industry, poker community, bring a lot of value, digitalize, um, digitalize, bring all the digital solutions that is needed for us. And, and uh, yeah, we are, we are here to change, change things to better. That's amazing. Well, listen, I am going to, uh, I'm not sure what's next guys. I'm going to, I'm again, haven't been doing as much, uh, poker stream right now. We'll have some more big podcasts coming up. Patrick, we'll hopefully see you, I guess in Florida, you said in June, you haven't announced exactly where or when, but you'll be over this way. Uh, you, sure come play, you come to play in our cash game event. Yes. Hello. Right. Is it, is it, is PLO? Yeah, yeah. 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 We have, of course, PLO, anything we have, but we can play. 
Uh, I love it, man. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely do that. I hope it's at the venue I'm thinking. I don't know if it is or how close, but I would imagine it's in, yeah. you know, it can't be too far away. South Florida, I would, I would hope. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to raid party poker. Latam, we will be back soon. I'm going to have a vlog highlight uh, released tomorrow on my YouTube channel, playing heads up with Pav in a PLO tournament. We were heads up in a tournament. So we'll, we'll put that out. And I am going to play the hard rock. Actually, they got the 3,500 uh, main event. They should, I don't know if you saw that a couple months ago, they got like 1600 entries in the 3,500. And uh, I think it'll probably break that um, and then this weekend. And then they have a 25 K on Monday. As long as I'm out of that 35, I'll play that. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming in, Patrick. Thank you so much, man. Best of luck on flop. I see it doing very well. Very cool. Appreciate the time and I uh, hope we get to link up very soon. Thanks, Jeff. This was my pleasure. My pleasure and all the best. Good luck. See you soon. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you. I'm going to send that host. We're going to end the podcast. And again, you can listen to this on the, all the audio outlets. We got Apple, iTunes, I guess, same thing, Spotify, this thing, that thing, Podbean. It's on every audio outlet. So I hope you guys get to, if you tuned in late, get to catch the whole thing. I'm going to try to remember how to do this because I honestly am rusty, but I'm going to do click a button here end the podcast there and we'll see Patrick very soon. So thanks again. And Patrick, I'll, uh, yeah, we can catch up here. Once I end it, I'll just uh, stay on for a sec. Okay. Bye guys. Yeah. That was Patrick Antonius. Again, you guys can go ahead and follow him on all the socials and I'm going to, I'm doing, I'm doing the raid and then I'm going to hit end broadcast. I think I got it right. We'll see you guys next week for some more high octane podcast. I got some special guests uh, coming up. We'll, we'll be looking forward to that and I'll see you guys for a poker stream very soon. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.